welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous Scotty Freytown, and I am here with the uh, the tender Tyler Dean. How are you? The tender Tyler Dean. I, I'm just afraid to even ask why you came up with that one. <laughs> you are such a tender man, Tyler. I, mean, I, I can tenderize. Uh, you're going to tenderize? Uh, I, there's about uh, 30 dirty jokes I can make there just based on that, but we're on the radio, so I'm not going to. You can still think them. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I, I, we, we are just we just got done with a tremendous draft week. We're a week, we're a week through. Um, a week after the draft here, I got to tell you, I am absolutely infuriated with some of the things I saw in that draft, and we're going to get to that. You know, oh, at, but Scott, Scott, what? What I, do you I, want? The draft is very important. I get it. There's a lot to discuss in the draft, but there's a couple of really big things that happened within the last 24 hours. Two it's big ones. Post draft week time. I know. Post draft week. But within the last 24 hours, two big stories have come out, and we have to discuss those first. Oh, we have, to be, we have to be the first ones to discuss. Them. Oh, the first ones. I see how it is. Well, so, we're we're gonna be we're gonna be icebreakers here, huh? Yes, we are. Oh, so we're, boy. we're gonna start with the round of league versus last week where we ended with it. Oh boy. We'll start with the. The smallest of the stories, but it's still a big deal because there's a lot of question marks here, and that's Des Bryant. Oh, geez, Des. Uh, Des, I I don't understand it. I, I heard about all this Des Bryant stuff breaking last week, and and it's just continued to be a, just a downward spiral. The guy he got offered seven million dollars a year for three years from Baltimore, and he balks on it. And, and they 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 end up going with Willie Sneed. So so at this point, they are not going to be going after, after Des Bryant. Right, and and I don't know that Des is, is necessarily a bad selection, 29 years old. I Personally, I think that he's declining um, a little too rapidly for my liking, but you know, I, my understanding is he's asking for a one-year prove-it deal so he can get paid more money, and, and frankly, I just don't understand. But the, the weird news that's been coming out of the last couple of days is there are um, multiple teams that don't even want to give him the veteran minimum, which is one million. No, nobody, nobody wants to give him the one million, and but I, which kind of makes me curious about the moves that number one that Ozzie Newsom's making over in Baltimore, offering him a seven million dollar a year contract. But you know, there's got to be something wrong. Either he's hurt, either he's not playing up to snuff, either he's a a, a, a bad attitude in a locker room. You, you don't know what's going on with Des Bryant, but I, I mean, I can't. I can't even imagine what NFL general managers are thinking right now and, and what Des Bryant is thinking right now with teams not being willing to offer him a measly $1 million a year. I mean, even at $1 million a year, you're looking at a huge payoff if the guy puts up 500 yards and two touchdowns. And if he doesn't, it's, it's hardly a loss. Yeah, you're not losing anything. And a, a one-year deal, it doesn't damage your cap moving into the future. You don't give him a signing bonus. I mean, this seems like a, a logical move, you know, giving him $1 million for the year. I, I don't know why NFL general managers are balking on it. There's got to be something more to this story. But at the same time, would, would Des really accept the $1 million deal? I think that's the difference. Between you, have, you have general managers not wanting to give him a million. You have Des expecting this, so... Yeah, and, and that's that raises a good question. You've got NFL general managers that aren't willing to give them a million, but at the same time, what becomes more important? Getting that $1 million or sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the sidelines and doing nothing. Eventually, Des Bryant is going to have to give. And eventually, Des Bryant is going to have to say, I'm taking this $1 million deal, and uh, you know I'm, I'm going to have to prove it. 
So it it could could very well be be interesting. I mean, he he could be making 750k, but I'm sure there are other teams out there. I mean, landing spots for Dez. I mean, we're we're talking. I, I, Baltimore was <laughs> in the in the mix, but they're not really anymore. Um, yeah, they, they they gave out the contract for Snead and could I mean they theoretically could go for the uh, veteran minimum deal with him, but he's only balked once and right. So it, it tells the team that he doesn't want to play there for for one. Right. And you want a player who doesn't want to be there. We've seen that in the past and how that goes. Mm-hmm. I, I think one one team that he could potentially go to. We're, we're talking the New England Patriots. Um, Tom it's Brady always an option. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady just lost a boatload of weapons, and they they need. I mean. Do you really, as good as he's been for Tom Brady, do you really identify Hogan as a number one receiver over there? No, probably not. And we're not talking Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan can do anything. But but we're we're talking what Kevin Hogan is that the guy's name? I don't even yes. remember his name. Um, Ke- but they, they have other they have other guys there. They have Edelman who's been on and off the field, but when he's there, he's health is a concern. Health is definitely a concern, and I mean health is a concern with Dez. I I won't take that away because I mean Dez Bryant. He's been hurt over the course of the last three years. You get to see, what, 800-yard seasons, 600-yard seasons, 500-yard seasons. I mean, you haven't seen much out of Des Bryant. He hasn't broken 1,000 for three years. So is Des Bryant the Des Bryant that we know, or is Des Bryant a a you know walking wreck? We, we've got to find out. And all you can say is, hey, you, you say that the quarterback change was was part of the problem for, for your numbers going down? Well, go to a new team and prove it. Prove it. That's absolutely it. So we're going to get into uh, team needs and, and stuff like that as far as where Des could go and many other players after, after the draft. Uh, the team needs to change. Some teams filled those needs. Some teams didn't. Right. The, the draft, I mean, some teams went out there and, and really, I mean, picked up every single little thing that they needed in that draft. And, and some teams were impressive, but i got to be honest, most of them were not. Um, but we, we've got other news, um, huge news today coming out of Arlington there. Um, with Dallas, that was probably just the biggest shocker of the day, I, I think. I mean, I, we heard the rumors. We heard the rumors last week, but it has been confirmed today. As of today, May the 3rd, Jason Witten, no longer a Dallas Cowboy. Jason Witten has decided that he is absolutely done playing football. He's retired. He's going to the announcing booth. That makes uh, a lot of a lot of interesting things come out of Dallas there. Um if I was Jerry Jones at this point, I'd be awfully angry with old Jason Witten, and he would not be entering my uh, my Hall of Fame anytime soon. Um, you you well, walk you, out. You can't be bitter, though. I mean, it, I mean, people do it all the time, whether it's the NFL in, in in your career. I mean, one day you wake up and go, you know what? I'm I'm not feeling anymore. I'm I'm done. Yeah, and and I understand that one day you wake up and you don't feel like doing it anymore. My problem with Jason Witten doing this, the way he did it, is the guy waits till after free agency, he waits till after the draft, and then he goes out and says, oh, I'm going to go and retire. And, and he retires 15 years in the season, and while he goes down as one of the greatest uh, uh, in the history of, of the NFL, one of the greatest tight ends, one of the greatest players in Cowboys history, he, leads, he led the league, or, or the team rather, in um, passing yardage, uh, career passing yards. I'm sorry, receiving yards. I apologize. He leads the league in, or the team in that. Leads the, he led the league one year in tight end pass catches. I mean, the guy has broken so many records throughout his career. Yet, you know, all that could possibly negate be negated based solely on the fact that he left the way that he did, and he 
he walks out leaving what Gregory Swaim as their number one uh, tight end over there. So I mean, it it doesn't really do any favors for the uh, the old Dallas Cowboys. Um, and like I said, he got to wait till after free agency. After Dallas, you know, can't do anything anymore to fill that position. So now they're going to have to make some crazy last-minute maneuvers to make that happen. And according to all reports, this was all a huge surprise to Jerry Jones, um, which, I mean, it, it just seemed to catch everybody off guard. It caught me off guard when I saw it was confirmed this morning. We're just finishing up all of our notes for the show, and then yep. wham, bam, here's the news on Jason Witten. But wasn't the only news that caught us off guard. Well, no. Nope. Not, not, I was off guard. We knew this was coming. It was just a matter of time, but the this the sheer mass of this deal is this is humongous. I'm I'm not against the deal. It's just it's it's a big deal. Uh, it's a little excessive. Uh, let's be real. I mean, <laughs> but Kirk Cousins just got twenty eight and a half, and he's I, a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins is excessive, but but go for it, Tyler. No, you know, and, and we're talking about Matt Ryan. Just 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 jump in, and just just back at the excessive thing. We can agree that yeah, the dollars are excessive, but but if, if if you're accepting that certain quarterbacks like Cousins and and other and other other players have gotten these massive deals, and if that's the standard, whether we agree with it or not, if Kirk Cousins is getting twenty eight and a half, Matt Ryan is worth thirty. Yeah, and I think Matt Ryan's worth thirty a year. So to, to break into it here, Matt Ryan just signed. This is within the last hour. He's got a, it's a five year deal, hundred and fifty million. So that, that's an average of thirty million a year. He's the first player ever. To have an average of thirty million dollars a year, but I think the the imperative number here that that we really need to talk about is one hundred million of it guaranteed money. I mean, that's twenty million a year guaranteed, no matter what. The guy walks out with a hundred million dollars over the next five years. Um, he's thirty two years old. Obviously, Matt Ryan is an elite quarterback in this league at at this stage of his game, at this stage of his career. He's an elite quarterback, but thirty two years old, you're you're hoping on a you're, you're kind of going on a women of prayer. You know, really hoping that that Matt Ryan is going to turn out to be like kind of the next Drew Brees. You got to hope that near the ass end of his career, 37, 38 years old, Matt Ryan starts really lighting up the scoreboards and becoming um, as high caliber as uh, Drew Brees is. So um, I, I really think that this deal is fantastic for the Falcons. I, I love this deal, especially with uh, them them picking up Calvin Ridley um, going into the draft. But uh, you know, speaking. Of um, of the draft. Oh boy! Speaking of the draft. Okay, I have, I have nothing else to stop me from. You have this. nothing else, you tyrannical Tyler Dean, and I am going to go into my draft rant now. I got to tell you, folks, the final Thursday of every April, I look forward to it because I know that the NFL is going to put out. The NFL draft. It's one of the most exciting days of the year. I love it. I go and I, I this year I made I made my crock pot ribs. I was super excited. I missed it. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, you missed out. I got to see it. You know, and and that's another thing we're going to talk about because Tyler didn't even get to watch the draft. You know what this guy was doing? He was going out seeing that that monstrosity Avengers movie that everybody was crying about. I'm still crying. Oh gosh, but, but no, yeah. I kept up with the draft. I knew what was going on. You kept up on the draft because I ranted about every pick. Now, <laughs> now, with this draft, I just want to say, I don't understand what exactly NFL general managers in in this 
specific draft class were thinking. When you go into the NFL draft, what is your goal? Your goal as an NFL general manager is to get the most bang for your buck. You are expecting a fifth, sixth round, seventh round pick to explode, and you are expecting to pick up players that are sleepers, players that could have been first rounders in the third round. That's what you want. Your goal is to be able to pick up those first round caliber players that could be first rounders in the third round, fourth round, and so on and so forth, especially if they're projected that way. Now, what I saw during this year's draft, what I saw on April 26th, was an absolute miscarriage of justice. It was an absolute travesty. Uh, I don't understand what the NFL general managers were thinking moving into this draft. First and foremost, how many players, and, and it's especially in the in the numbers 20 through 31, those selections right there, it was just mind-boggling. GMs reaching on players that should be going in the third and fourth round. This should not happen as an NFL general manager. If you're doing that as an NFL general manager, you should be ashamed of yourself and ashamed of the job you're doing because you are not doing your team a favor. You are doing your team. You are doing your fans. You are doing your owner. You are doing your coach. You are doing the, the team, the fellow teammates. You are doing them a disservice when you reach on certain players. Do you really mean to tell me that, that a player that is projected to go third round belongs in the first round? Absolutely not. You mean to tell me that, that uh, um, the Seattle Seahawks, who I understand needed a running back in this draft. I, I get it. I, I just I don't understand what they get by picking up Mr. Penny there in the first round. I, I don't get it. Well, what do you get? You, you go and you pick up a, a, a third, fourth round running back with your number one over, with your first round draft pick. How does that make sense? It doesn't. Rashad Penny, really? This guy had no business going in the first round, especially when there's a guy like Darius Geis sitting on the board. You don't take a guy like Rashad Penny. And then they go and they, they don't have another uh, uh, draft pick until the third round. But you take Rashad Penny. It, it makes no sense. Darius Geis should have been the next running back off the board, and you're not going to take him based solely on the fact that he was upset that the scouts asked whether or not his mother was a prostitute or whether or not he's gay. What what does that matter? And then there was the talk about um, how we felt about about uh, kneeling, and, and it, it, it hits some sour subjects. But at the same time, not enough to pass on a guy like that. Right, and and the the idea that that the Detroit Lions went out and picked up Frank Ragnow. Why? Why? That that guy wasn't even ranked as the number one center in this whole thing, and they needed an offensive guard. And then you go out and you 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 completely uh, balk. On this number one guy, this this James Daniels from Iowa, you go ahead and you balk on him, but then you're going to go ahead and say, "Oh, hey, here, let me let me take Frank Ragnow in the first round." But Senseless. Defense, what? Just because he's in the SEC? Is is uh the, their existing, their current center? When they drafted him, he, he played guard in college. He got drafted. He got moved to center, 
And so they're moving that guy back to guard, and they got this new center coming out. That was their be that, mindset. Be that as it may, James Daniels, the center from Iowa, was the number one center in the draft. So why are you not taking the guy from Iowa? What, just because it says SEC next to next to uh, Ragnow's name? Big friggin' deal. I would rather take a guy like James Daniels over Frank Ragnow. That's where I'm at. And I, I see that go on, and it's mind-boggling. I've watched so many guys, uh, you know, so many general managers reach on different guys in, in that draft. And then, and then after, after my Minnesota Vikings, they go out and reach on a cornerback. They go and reach on a corner. I have to sit there and, and pretend and smile and act like I'm thrilled about the fact that here's Rick Spielman on the phone with this guy going, well, I didn't think that you were going to fall to us. What do you mean you didn't think the guy was going to fall to you? He was slated to go in the third round. And you mean to tell me that, that you didn't think the guy was going to fall to him? You didn't think the, the, this, this player was going to fall to the Minnesota Vikings? Come on now. That's a joke. That's a joke beyond jokes. I, I think that, that I, I mean, this Mike Hughes... Taking him 30th overall was an absolute joke. He had other players on the board that were better at all kinds of different positions. The Vikings have all kinds of needs at their different positions, and they balked on him to pick up a third-round corner out of, out of uh, um, where was this guy even from? UCF. UCF. They go and, and pick up this, this third-round corner, and I'm supposed to feel comfortable with it as a Vikings fan. I'm supposed to feel comfortable as a, as a Cleveland Browns fan uh, and and when you're going out there and picking up Baker Mayfield at number one, <laughs> and he wasn't even he wasn't even slated as the number one, number two, number three. He was slated as the fourth best quarterback in this draft. And you go and you pick him up number one overall when Sam Darnold's on the board. Cleveland Browns had one job. They had one. Your job. As an NFL general manager is to create your future. Your job going into the draft is to get the players of your future. You mean to tell me that it's okay when the New Orleans Saints, they go ahead and trade away 14 draft picks, and, and uh, or put, they move up 14 spots, and they trade away their first rounder from next year, and when they go ahead and they do that, instead of getting their franchise quarterback, you give away a first-round draft pick, you go after a franchise quarterback. You go after your future. You go after the guy that's going to be backing up Drew Brees. You don't go after a defensive end like Marcus Davenport. You mean to tell me that that guy's going to be the, the most important spot on your football team right now? What a joke. And the Saints should be ashamed and, and disgusted. I agree with you in there. I mean, when they traded up, I think most of the world goes, oh boy, here's Lamar Jackson. Here we go. And little note on that. The, to support my, my, my boys here, the Ravens gave up far less to get their next franchise quarterback than the Saints did to get a defensive end. Far less. And and I think, and to, we'll, we'll go into that momentarily, but, you know, and, and Lamar Jackson should have been that pick. If you couldn't get Rosen, if you couldn't get Darnold, even if you couldn't get Mayfield, and I, I think the Cleveland Browns, Every year, they just go in. They they all they see is is special little words next to a guy's name, and they expect him to be uh, you know the next god amongst men. They go in there and they see Heisman next to the guy's name. How many Heisman Trophy winners have we seen come into the NFL and tank? 
How many of them have cleaned their head? Uh, exactly. How many Heisman Trophy winners have, have we seen do that? How many Heisman Trophy winners have we have we watched? I mean, how many first-round overall picks have we seen come into this draft and, and just tank because teams are reaching on them and these guys aren't ready? And you go and you pick up a guy like Baker Mayfield, and I'm supposed to feel 100% comfortable as a Cleveland Browns fan. This is a joke. The NFL draft, the whole first round, was a joke. The fact that people really think that these general managers were doing their jobs well was a joke. NFL general managers need to start thinking about what they're drafting and how they're drafting. Because there are players out there that they're taking in the first round that have no business going in the first round. Like I said, your job is to get the, the biggest bang for your buck. And if you're looking to get the biggest bang for your buck, if a guy's supposed to go in the second round, you take him in the second round. That's the law of the land. That's how the draft works. That's how it's landscaped. You don't move up unless you feel like someone's actually going to take it. And that's another thing I noticed. General managers were taking their teams, moving up in the draft, and for what? Why were they moving up in the draft? There were no, no teams ahead of them that were slated to take these different players but they just moved up for the sake of moving up. Buffalo moved up to number seven, and for what? Why? To get Josh Allen? They didn't even need to move up. Nobody was taking him before he got to the Buffalo Bills. The Bills wanted to move up to go after Josh Allen. It made no sense. It was absolutely senseless. And Josh Allen wasn't the third best quarterback in, this, in, in the draft, not even close. No, and, and they go and they, they move up all those spots to go get Josh Allen when Josh Allen was not going to be selected. Your thought process when you're moving up is that another team is going to take your guy. If you know nobody's going to take your guy, don't move up. Don't give away your team's future. That's the point. You doing okay over there? I'm infuriated. I'm infuriated. I mean, what are we doing here in the first round? What are we doing here in the NFL draft? What did they do? Just throw a bunch of names into a tumbler and have have the, the ghost of Martha Ford walk over there and just start spinning the wheel? I mean, what what did they do? Did they have you know Sir Topham Hat come by and throw all the names in a hat and everybody just drew a player and no, oh, that's the guy I'm taking today. And leave it to Cleveland to make the stupid draft pick again. How often have Cleveland Browns fans seen this for the last, what, 20 years now? It's obnoxious. It's the same old narrative that you've seen year after year after year after year. And they wonder why they've had a decade of losing seasons. And I'm supposed to sit here if I'm a Browns fan, which I'm not, but if I'm a Browns fan, I have to sit here and be comfortable with Baker Mayfield, the guy who's never been in a, a, a pro offense, the guy who only can run a spread offense in, in college, the, the guy who, who you know has the, the same the same uh, uh, talents as, uh, well, I won't even say the same talents as Cam Newton, but going in, he had the same mindset as Cam Newton, where the Cleveland Browns are going to have to retool their offense to the spread offense that they don't run. And then, on top of all of that, the guy that's going to have to teach Baker Mayfield to be a pro-style quarterback is Hugh Jackson? The guy who got run out of town for not doing anything in Oakland? The guy who got run out of town, or who is currently getting run out of town in Cleveland after going 0-16, going that's the guy that I'm going to rely on to teach 
Baker Mayfield how to be a professional-style quarterback. And I'm supposed to feel good about that. The NFL general managers, there, there is a significant breakdown right now in how these teams draft players. There is something wrong with the process. There is something wrong in this situation. If you are not drafting NFL players according to the actual scouting reports, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of these GMs didn't even pay attention to the scouting reports. And don't get me wrong, I understand that it's not the end-all, be-all. Okay, I understand that player ratings and, and scouting reports, they aren't the end-all, be-all to being a great NFL player or selecting a great NFL player. But damn it, they're pretty freaking close. So what are we doing here, GMs? What are we doing? Are we just selecting a bunch of random players? Is that what we're doing? Rashad Penny going in the first round? Why? Darius Geis still on the board. I mean, you ought to be ashamed for letting a great player like Darius Geis go off the board when there's a group of other NFL teams and players kneeling on the field and you're upset about Darius Geis kneeling on the field? Why? Why? It makes no sense. He ended up going late second round. Yeah, and, and that, that's what makes this, this whole thing a joke. And then you, I see an injury-prone piece of garbage like Colton Miller who hasn't played uh, worth a crap, who, who can't control a, a um, pro-style offense, who can't mirror blockers, who gives up sacks. I get to watch that guy go 15th overall. And I'm supposed to be comfortable with it if I'm a Raiders fan? When Will Hernandez is sitting there on the board still. Come on now. Come on now. I got to watch so many bad selections in that draft, it made my stomach turn. There were very few teams, very few teams, that made a selection that fit their, their team need and actually selected well. Very few. 16 of the 32, 16 reached on players in the first round or picked players just because. Why? Senseless. Senseless picking, senseless selecting. And, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the winners and losers of the draft. We're going to be going over it. Um, I know Tyler and I, we have a, a few conflicting uh, thoughts on that. But, but when we do come back, we're going to be going over the winners and losers of the draft. Um, I know that I'm excited for this one. I love this piece. Um, Tyler loves this piece. And uh, we'll, we'll go over it when we come back. Yeah, we need, a, we need a little break there. I think Scott needs a nap, a break, and a drink. Yeah, I'm a little sweaty right now from all that hollering. I'm not going to lie. Not to mention, in, in this little studio here, it's like 100 degrees in here. My good Lord. Oh, welcome to summer, because in Michigan, you go from winter right to summer. Oh, well, it doesn't exactly help that, that you have zero, zero air conditioning going on here. Where the hell is the thermostat? I'm working on it. For, for Christ's sake. No, we, we, we get the house, and, and in the first week, bam, the air conditioner goes out. Bam, the, the uh, water pipe bomb bursts. It, it, just, it was just a really bad time the first month here. So, Where in the hell is the air conditioning? That's not my question. Where in the hell is the air conditioning, Tyler? 
It's expensive. It's it's hot. <laughs> My good lord, you if it was so expensive, you shouldn't have bought a mansion. But that's neither here nor there. We'll be right back to uh the Chantel Castle. I hate you. Ah, we'll be right back. the outside blitz i am your co-host tyler dean the tenacious the top heavy tyler dean show, you're already changing it changing the adjectives already and wow it's fantastic but, well scotty's done hyperventilating over uh what was a very enlightening rant it was a terrible draft uh, you're, you're, you're still a little heated i am i'm hot we're gonna move on from your rant i think a lot of people need some time to just realize just how upset you were. No, what a horrible draft. But we're going to go into the winners and losers of the draft. And we're going to start with the winners. And I think the, the, the biggest winner here, I think we can both agree here, and that's in New York. Well, New Jersey was the Yeah, yeah. But the New York Giants. The New York football Giants. They had a great, great draft. I mean, they got away with murder in this thing. I mean, take a look. First round. First round, they made you. You couldn't screw this pickup. They need a running back. You couldn't screw it up. The number one running back falls to you. Arguably, the most athletically talented specimen in this whole draft. 
Saquon Barkley, he falls to them at two. And you look at some of the, you look at the running backs who have gone over the last couple of years, and, and he's being compared to having the talent of, well, maybe not an Ezekiel Elliott. No. But, but um, he's up, maybe not a Fournette, but uh, he's up there with like uh, with Derrick Henry, who is going to have a great year now that he doesn't have DeMarco Murray there with him. Right. And, and I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. Henry's Henry's gonna this be his team now. And Barkley's gonna be that kind of back where he's gonna he's gonna hit the ground running. He's not gonna have in his case he's not gonna have any anybody in his way. No, no. I mean, you can't sit here and tell me at any point in time that that Orleans Darkwa was was. I mean, we we saw that that joke last year of having him as your number one running back. You can't tell me that he's the best running back on this team, and any time that I'm sitting there looking at a guy's draft profile, and when I see NFL comparison Barry Sanders next to a, a, a draft pick running back like this, uh, I'm taking him right away. And that's what, what Saquon Barkley has has um, compared to. He's compared to a Barry Sanders. He's very elusive. He's very quick. Um, not your best trucking uh, uh, running back out there, but he's easily, easily a speedster. He's got, I mean... He's got breakneck speed. I, I, I love this pick. I, it was brilliant. It, it was. I had a feeling that the Cleveland Browns were going to go with a quarterback number one overall. And, and you still know when it comes to the New York Giants that Eli Manning can play at a high level. It was just a great, great selection. It was the perfect selection to get them back on in, you know, in the game here. After, he just needs help. Yeah, and he, that's the big thing. He's going to need help, and they did the right thing. Going into the second round, getting him some help. Uh, Will Hernandez. I mean, the, that's why the Giants they they hit a home run here. They're, that one two punch. He's being compared to Richie Incognito. Yeah, he's had a lot. He's had a lot of troubled past, but Incognito is a is a very good guard. Yeah, and and Hernandez is, is going to follow that same suit of being a great guard. Well, Incognito. I mean, well, I'm going to correct you. Was a good guard. The man is retired now. We got to yes. remember that now. When it comes to to Hernandez, um, college football, he he was fantastic. He played for UTEP. He was he was just awesome. Um, he's he's strong. He's he's agile. He's great in pass defense. He's great in run. Or I'm sorry, uh, pass blocking. He's great in rush blocking. I, the guy is just outstanding. And he started all four years. Like that's another thing. And he came in right as a freshman and jumped right into the starting lineup. Yep. And and actually, uh, a fun fact about about old Willie Hernandez there: if your team needs an emergency kicker, um, that's your guy. <laughs> he actually he has kicked extra points, um, and and he can kick thirty three yard extra points. So I'm just throwing that out so there. It's, it's a little more than some teams have trusted in the past. I believe it was was it with the Lions at the time. And Dominican Sue with the Sue, Lions, Sue yeah. Kick, <laughs> um, their kicker had gotten hurt. I believe was it Acres at the time. Yep. Yep. Um, Acres had gotten hurt, and they well, who can kick? Who can kick the field goal? The punter was also hurt, and uh, and Sue goes, "Well, I played soccer once." <laughs> <laughs> and he almost made the darn thing. That was the best part about it. He almost made the damn kick. Now. This this Will Hernandez selection it was a great one two punch for for uh, the G men there I think they they really walked out of this this draft looking good they're going to be able to set up play action they're going to get Eli Manning another weapon I, I I just love this selection it was beautiful both these selections they got Eli Manning a weapon and protection on top of it so 
to me, number two overall draft pick, and then you go into the second round and you make a move on, on Will Hernandez, who should have been a first-round guy. I mean, let's face facts. He should have been a first-round guy. You, you got away with one here. And the, and the New York Giants should be feeling very, very good about themselves moving into the, uh, the preseason. Uh, they should be feeling really good about themselves, not, not just moving into the preseason, but with all the free agents that are on the board currently. And, and they're going to have a whole lot less to fill on that team uh, moving forward. And, and I love, just love it. It was no, just fantastic. I, I, I totally agree on that. They, they definitely improved the offense big time with Barkley Hernandez. And, and I, I want to get to the other side of the ball, too. But I want to target the, other, the one other piece they got in offense. Just talk about them briefly. And that's they, they did take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that was in the fourth round. Yes, yeah, sir. Um, whether he's going to be the future of that team, I, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of questions there. Because they also took a quarterback in last year's draft. Yes. So, so they're obviously um, getting a couple guys to, to battle for the, the potential right to take over that team. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're talking about, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, I just know, the Kyle Loyola. They lo, lo, <laughs> Layletta. Yeah, Laletta, Lauletta, is that? I, I'm not sure. Laletta, uh, Who knows? Um, he, he's definitely got one of those fun names to pronounce, so... Uh, you I almost know. said Loyola, but we're not talking about Sergio. <laughs> <But> you, <laughs> <laughs> you know he's going to stand out based solely on his name. I mean, he, he was a good selection. I, it's like you said, we don't know if this guy's going to pan out to be the, the future of this franchise, but we've seen a lot of times quarterbacks sit behind veteran players and, and turn out to be great quarterbacks in this league, great players in this league. And and that could be, you know, no different here. This could be the the big selection for the New York Giants future. And so I, I kinda like this pick. you know, late late quarterbacks, you don't really see him explode very often unless their name's Brady. So we'll we'll see what this guy does, but I, I did like that selection as well. So going to the other side of the ball here, um, another big question mark for the Giants was their defense has not been great for a while. Absolutely not. And they picked up some good pieces here as far as the defense goes. I'm going to start with uh, um, Lorenzo Carter. He was he was a steal. That was an absolute steal out of Georgia. There, I mean, what a what a an athletic tackler. He's great open field tackler. This guy, he was honestly one of the better linebackers in this entire draft. The fact that he went this late was just crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. The Giants made a, a fantastic move on Lorenzo Carter. And and they also adding to the defensive thing in round three. They made a great move on B.J. Hill and uh, from NC State as well um, for their defensive tackles. They've lost a lot of pieces on their defensive line. B.J. Hill, great choice, great pickup. I, I loved it. I mean, they they did get a, a fifth rounder uh, defensive tackle in that R.J. McIntosh, but B.J. Hill is the guy that you're really talking about. I think, and and I think a lot of people are have been very impressed with him. Um, in terms of run stopping ability, and and I, I'll, he's really a space eating kind of guy. So I, I love this both those selections. But Lorenzo Carter was, I mean, that guy's incredible. He he just has great great speed. He's got great pursuit to the ball. You gotta love him. Well, I know, I'm kind of moving on here. I know you. Hated the draft for the most part. So who else do you like as a winner in, in your <laughs> view of winners? Here? There were very few real, real winners in this draft. Um, another big winner to me, um, and I think the second biggest winner in this draft, were, were, it was the Washington Redskins. Um, 
and and the Washington Redskins. And and you know when I think the Washington Redskins and and their draft picks, um, the first guy that comes to mind is is Darius Geis. I I, I just they got away with absolute just highway robbery on that pick. You, second round, late second round. He went the twenty seventh pick on the second round, and the guy was projected to be late first, early second. So they they almost got him a full round later. Oh yeah, and and he well he was projected first round. You got him second round, and and for what? Because a bunch of teams wanted to to talk about you know piddly stuff about you know oh would you kneel would you kneel during the the or the national anthem would you. You know, they, they started asking him. I guess he came out and he, he started making a, a big hoopla about, oh, well, they asked me if my mother was a prostitute or if I was gay. And, and you know, kudos to the Redskins for not giving a crap about that. Your job isn't to worry about, about a bunch of nonsense. Um, your, your job is to win football games. And they needed a running back. And they went out and got the second best running back as far as grades go, anyway, in this draft. And and he's got 5.3 yards per carry um, on average in 2017. Um, you know, he bet, and that was battling through injuries. I mean, he averaged 7.8 during his freshman and sophomore years. So you got away with one here. He's athletic. He's a great downhill runner. He's hard hitting. I mean, he's great. He's a he's a real violent hitter. I mean, I just I love this. I love this selection. And and in the first round, the Redskins, you know, they they missed a little bit. And and I won't say that. And this is why they're they're behind the Giants a little bit on this one. They filled the the hole that they needed to fill as far as you know what was on their defensive side of the football. The trouble is they didn't get the guy that they want. You know, they they wanted Vita Vey, and I think everybody knew that they wanted Vita Vey. And when Vita Vey got selected, one spot before they got him, they they are almost forced to go with Deron Payne, who also is not a bad pick. He was also he was still projected first round. Yeah, he's not the number one defensive tackle, but you look at who he's compared to. Brandon Williams, um, currently one of one of the best defensive tackles in the game right now, mm-hmm. um, over over in Baltimore. Uh, and so another, which means we compared to him, I mean, that obviously says um that Darius Payne is, is a big guy. Yeah, he's going to be a spacier type of guy, and that's almost what kind of what you want with defensive tackle, especially when you're running a four three the, the way that Washington is. Yeah, and and they had they their run defense has been just atrocious these last few years. You had a few, you had two options as far as this pick goes. You you either went with Derwin James or you went with Deron Payne, and both guys are just solid in run support. In run support, that's what a guy like Derwin James is there for. And that's what, what a big guy like Deron Payne is there for. Derwin James, he, he likes to come up. He likes to hit guys in the trenches. Deron Payne, he's a big space-eating guy, likes to, to stop the run. I mean, realistically, Deron Payne, what, I mean, he was the, the best possible pick. I, I would have taken him over Derwin James. And, and either way, no matter what route you went, you were getting away with murder. I know that they would have liked to have Vita Vey. You know, I, I mean, let's face facts. They... Deron Payne is was their their backup plan there, but I think they were if if I had to go with, you know, if I had to put a list together of which guys I would have taken at that point, it's Vita Vey, Deron Payne, or Derwin James, and Vita Vey went. So guess what, Deron James is the guy. And, and so going into the, the the third round, they 
So they have a quarterback. There's a lot of question marks. Alex Smith's a good quarterback, and but as an older quarterback, you you, you need to keep him safe to keep yeah. him healthy. And, and that's what they did in the third round. That they went with Jerron Christian. Jerron, and this was a good pick out of Louisville. There, he's he, he had some projections had him going in the second. So getting him in the third was a good pick. Yeah, they they got away with one. They, and and this was one of those ones where they didn't have to reach on him. Um, you know, he he he's just a great pass blocker all around. All around great pass blocker. Um, the fact that that uh, I, I would say that they have the Redskins do have the second best pair of offensive tackles in the NFL right now. Uh, Trent Williams, Morgan Moses. I mean, and they're signed through twenty twenty. That's fine. Um, so and and people were kind of wondering why would they go get an offensive tackle? Why would they do that? Why would they do that? But you got to have depth, and I think that's a big thing. And when Trent Williams and Morgan Moses go down. And you want to have that depth, that depth there. You're you're going to have to, you know, turn to this Jerron Christian. It it makes sense. Um, and you, there were guys that that it went down uh, over the course of the season that played the offensive tackle position. People filled in and they protected their quarterback well. And then you saw issues where, um, you know, an offensive tackle went down, like for example with the Cowboys. They didn't have a capable replacement on their field. And and guess what? Their offense went to crap because guess what? You, Dak Prescott was getting blasted every time he turned around. Now, and, and Christian, he can play. Christian, uh, uh, he, he can play both right tackle and left tackle. That's always good, um, which makes him a good backup. You, you don't have a lot of swing tackles in this league. And and they always say playing right guard to left guard is, is a lot more difficult than playing you know, right tackle, the left tackle, and so on and so forth. But even then, that's a huge, huge pickup because you have a guy that can back up either side of the line. And, and there's a stigma. I mean, a, a lot of people, a lot of people know, but there's a lot of people who don't put the same importance on an offensive line. Not need, at all. If you ever need an example of how important it truly is, Everyone knows that Andrew Luck is a phenomenal quarterback. Yes. And look what an awful offensive line has done for him. Oh he my gosh! On the bench. That poor guy. Um, the, the, I, I feel I feel bad for him. He's he's a, he's a fantastic quarterback, but the Colts just will not keep him safe. No, they will not. Um, but they they did make a step to do it. I'll get and they this pick when it came to the Colts. I'll go ahead and say that it was probably the safest pick that they could have made in this draft. It was arguably the safest pick. He was the um, the number one offensive lineman to go. Um, he was the number one offensive lineman projected in general. Um, we're talking Quentin Nelson, the guard out of Notre Dame. Um, he went number six overall to, to Indianapolis, and it was smart. It was just a smart pick. It was safe. It made sense. It filled a team need. This guy is going to bolster that offensive line so much that Andrew Luck is going to be able to start getting away with, with murder here. Um, he, he's not going to have to run around like a maniac. He's not going to get blasted every time he turns around. He's not going to wind up sitting on the bench for, for half the season, or if not more. You're going to have a healthy Andrew Luck now in your backfield with a guy like Quentin Nelson hanging around, and I like that. And to, to, tar- to target uh, uh, additionally bringing up the offensive line, they uh, they went another guard and went, and went, and went Braden Smith, another um, another huge pick that's definitely going to help that team out. Yep, and and getting him in the second round, um, and they, they took him 
I mean, it, they they had two picks right in a row in the second round, and and it was smart. They they went and picked up a second guard. They went for a little bit of youth, which, I mean, kudos to them. You're going to have to start planning for your future. Braden Smith, he could have gone a little bit earlier. Um, he he could have been a, a late first rounder. They had him going a possible one, possible two, but hey. Rock and roll. You, they got away with one here, and, and they should be happy about it. The the other uh, pick they took in, in that back-to-back, they took Braden Smith in the fifth fifth pick in the second round. But just before that, they took Darius Leonard. Yes. Um, the Colts' defense has also not been fantastic. No. So this is this is a great step in the right direction. Darius Leonard is a phenomenal pick for where he went. Yeah, I mean, he fills a hole. That was that was the big thing. He fills a spot for them that, that needed to be filled up. Um I mean, the the guy knows how to make just fantastic tackles. Great in run uh, run stopping. Run support is great. I mean, some people, and I know some people are kind of crapping on this pick, um, but I loved it. I mean, a lot of a lot of people said, "Oh, this is one of the the worst picks they could have made." And, um, you know, they 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 had four second rounders for one thing. Let, let's start with that. You had four second rounders. So, I mean. At a certain point, you have so many draft picks in one round that you can afford to make a few mistakes. I get that. Um, but, you know, he, he was, was awesome. He was a, that was a great pick. I mean, they, some people are saying, oh, it's, it's an awful draft pick. This guy was, was awesome. They, they didn't, and I understand that they need, need a running back. I understand that, that guys like Darius Geis and uh, on Johnson were still on the board at this point. Ronald Jones still on the board at this point. Um, the, the, I mean, they, they had to make a move on a running back, but at the same time, they also needed to make a move on a linebacker. And this made absolute sense. Um, just setting up their, their secondary for the future. And, and this guy is not a bad player. That's the thing. People are crapping on this pick as though, uh, you know, um, uh, People are crapping on his pick as though this guy isn't going to help them, but as far as I'm concerned, he is a perfect fit for the Indianapolis Colts' defensive scheme. He makes sense. So, I mean, he's going to wind up being a staple over there. He's going to wind up, uh, uh, you know, being a great coverage linebacker, great in run support. He does it all. I love this pick. He's athletic. It makes sense. There's more upside than downside with this pick, so people should be very happy with it. Oh, 100%. Continuing on that defensive run there, they also in the second round with their other two picks in that in the second, they took they took a pair of defensive ends to help bolster that 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 run stop. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about we Kiboko Turi and Taekwon Williams. Yes, and it, I while I kind of like the these selections taking the defensive ends. I kind of don't at the same time. I don't feel like they necessarily uh, needed the defensive ends. I feel like you could have used those draft picks on, on a few things differently, which is why they aren't rating higher on this list. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they do get some depth at defensive end. It, it could prove to be fruitful. I want to see how each one of them are going to pan out. There's a reason they're, they're you know, second, third round guys. I mean, so... We'll we'll take a look and uh, you know only time will tell with them but you know I want to see how how they do sitting behind defensive ends that they already have. Agreed, and it, time will tell with those. And they're second, third round, but you you only find those gems. But there 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 are those concerns with these guys. Yeah. 
let's see. They took a pair of receivers in the, in the fifth and sixth round, so we'll see. Yeah. Got Naheem Hines and um, – no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at running backs. Um, no, running backs today. Running backs got Naheem Hines and, and Jordan Wilkins. Mm-hmm. Those are also in the, in the fourth, fifth round there. So they've, they've built some receiver, wide receiver depth there in the fourth and sixth round. Right. But they, they had so many needs to fill. It was hard to target what they should and shouldn't do. So, yeah. So they, they did grab a bit of everything. They just chose to take the your uh, skilled player positions near the end. Right. And and one thing that was kind of interesting, uh, one other thing I wanted to point out about about the uh, the uh, pick for Leonard there, the, the big reason behind the linebacker selection is you just lost Barcavius Mingo. You just lost the guy. So are you going to be that upset about selecting a linebacker to take his spot? You can't have nobody there. And Barcavius Mingo was their only off-the-ball linebacker that they had. So what are you going to do? You're going to take that linebacker and you're going to make it hit. They needed a left-outside linebacker. They took a left-outside linebacker. Makes sense. Loved this pick. Loved it. So before we go to the third team winners here, I want to fourth. back up to the Redskins. Fourth team, Tyler. Oh, fourth team. It's a Jeez. Before we go back, go to the fourth team. I want to back up to the Redskins for a second. Yeah. My one complaint on the on the Redskins draft is they have a new quarterback, mm-hmm. but they have no weapons for him, and they didn't they didn't target that at all. And that's concerned. They 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 got Trey Quinn the seventh round, but it's not really going to cut it. No. Um, they, they lost some pieces offensively, and I, I think it's going to be a struggle for Alex Smith over there. But, they, but at the end of the day, they, they got Deron Payne. They got they got guys. But right. re- receiver-wise, it's just not there. You know, and, and a lot of people are saying that. I don't think people put enough uh, stock in a guy like um, uh, Jameson Crowder. I don't think people are putting enough uh, stock in a guy like uh, Josh Doxson. They did get Paul Richardson, who, is, who actually turned out to be pretty pretty great in Seattle. Um, I want to see how that how they're gonna, you know, play with that a little bit. And they still do have Brian Quick hanging around. Yeah, who, they, who they just got? Who they just got? So I mean, it, realistically, could they have more weapons? Absolutely. I don't think Doxson and Crowder are going to be, and or Richardson are going to be, you know, groundbreaking selections. Could they have made a, a move on on a, a wide receiver? For sure. Uh, is it? Is this team technically at this stage of the game rebuilding? Are they looking Super Bowl ready right now? No. Absolutely not. And and they haven't looked Super Bowl ready yet. I think we're gonna wait. We're gonna see. We're gonna we're gonna find out just how good um, Alex Smith really is because of the lack of weapons. He had a ton of weapons over in in Kansas City for a long time, and now we're gonna have him come over here. And I think probably his best weapon is what Jordan Reed. I mean, that's, Absolutely. And and they do have uh, Vernon Davis and the oft underrated Jeremy Sprinkle at tight end. I I like all three of of those tight ends, but they they've got to get some uh, receiver help eventually. This year may not have been the year, but there still are receivers out on the board. <coughs> Des Bryant. Des Bryant. <laughs> I mean that's that's what we're we're dealing with there. So I mean they might wind up seeing Des Bryant walk through their door pretty soon here. I mean, and Des Bryant may or may not have said he wants to play in a very certain division. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, Indianapolis. I'm sorry, uh, Washington should be. Sitting there looking at him, going, "Huh, oh, well, I don't know." We're both touching that later. Yeah, that 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 could be his potential landing spot. So, so. going to number four here, the Denver Broncos. Denver up in Mile High, man. Uh, awesome. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome draft. Uh, Bradley Chubb. Let's talk Bradley Chubb. I mean, he, he didn't fall far. No. He never was. But the fact that Denver's able to land him here is, is huge. Yeah, and I think everybody um, – Everybody expected Bradley Chubb to go to Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, everybody expected Cleveland, and Cleveland just blocked on him. I, I get it. Cleveland needed a corner. At the same time, I don't get it. This is a very deep class when it's at corner. Bradley Chubb should have been your guy. You, you pair him up with Miles Jack, and, and if you weren't going to take Bradley Chubb, you back up in the draft. I was, I was just going to say, you don't want Bradley Chubb. I'm sure there are at least five teams that would love Bradley Chubb. Yep. And they could have gotten a lot of draft picks, and they could have really helped enhance the, what they got out of the draft. Yep, and and to me, the guys that they should have been moving back with should have been Buffalo, because just a couple picks later, Buffalo actually moved up in the draft. So uh, you you should have offered up to Buffalo and said, look, and, and you know this is where I start questioning general manager decisions. You're going to move up with Buffalo here, or are you going to let, you know, are you going to move up with Buffalo, or are you going to go and take a corner way too early? Just move, let Buffalo move up, you move down, and move forward. Buffalo had two draft picks. One, I think, was 7th, and one was 16th. You move down. You move down in the draft, and you go for something different if you're not going to take Bradley Chubb. Well, Buffalo traded into 16th. Yeah. They, they ended up with they ended up taking some of that 7th. Yes. But I think neither were their own picks. Yeah, they they were they were wiggling around. Um, but talking about uh, the Broncos, the Broncos draft. I'm going in the second round. Talk about Chubb. That's a, that's a huge pick. And so this is where your boy's at. Oh boy, your your boy uh, Keenum. Yep, yep. Old Case so Keenum. In the second round, they got him some help. They 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 already have Demarius Thomas, who's aging. Mm-hmm. They have Emmanuel Sanders, who's aging. Yep. So what do you do to help give uh, your new quarterback some help? You draft a receiver. Yeah. And it's exactly what they did in one of the draft drafts best receivers in, in Cortland Sutton. Cortland Cortland Sutton was was just great. Why can't we say his name? By the way, it's just weird. I was going to say Sutherland, like the actor. The, oh, the two of us were just. Like, <laughs> it's a, it's a, but uh, to, you know. The NFL, we, we know they require, I mean, three quality pass catchers. I mean, that's just the reality. They had Demarius Thomas. They had Emmanuel Sanders. Now you go and get Cortland Sutton. Um, he's a big boy. Uh, he's, he's really, you know, Keenum likes to, he's a gunslinger. Whether we, whether we like to admit it or not, Case Keenum is something of a gunslinger. Um, he he, he kind of gained that talent when he was over in Minnesota. Uh, and next thing you know, here he's going to have a great, great target, Cortland Sutton. Guy can line up. He can line up far out, far far outside. I want to see who they're going to wind up putting in the slot, whether it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas, because neither of those guys match up size wise to Cortland Sutton. So I want to see who's going to give up ground, who's going to say I'll be in the slot, because once that happens, then you're going to know which receiver is getting ready to go out the door, and it's the one that winds up falling in that little slot spot. And. Uh, I also liked, um, you know, they had to do something. Uh, C.J. Anderson, he just got cut. We, we know he just got cut from, from uh, Denver. Royce Freeman out of Oregon there running back. Um, he was just a good pick. He, he was a good selection to, to fill that spot. He, they, they, it was smart. Smart on the end of Denver, going out, 
getting themselves a, a good, solid, strong running back. He wasn't the best running back in this draft class. We know he wasn't the best running back in this draft class. That's fine. But, you know, did, did they – they really got a steal, third-round pick seven. It, it was Absolutely. smart. You, you got another weapon for Keenum. The guy can catch out of the backfield. I love it. I absolutely love it. And they save themselves a little bit of money. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I, I, for, for their needs, they could have taken Geis at eight in the second round. Oh, yeah. But Sutton was the pick. And uh, I, to me, I, I think, well, I, I'm going to disagree. I think Geis was the pick, but at least they addressed the need. Um, Freeman, Royce Freeman, I mean, he was the pick, but that they, they, they went with. I, I think Geis is the better runner, but it, it kind of makes sense. I, I think they have a good enough line to allow Freeman to get some, some you know, action here. I think, and I think Freeman is going to take that number one running back spot. I, I don't think it's up for debate. I think he's just going to wind up going in there and taking what he wants, and they're going to get away with murder there. So also in the third round here, they, they targeted another need because they lost Keith Jaleed. He's now in L.A. Rams. Right. And third round... They took uh, Isaac, Isaac uh, Edom, Isaac Edom, Yedom, 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 from Boston College. Uh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this pick. Um, it, it's hard to figure out what you can make of it. Um, I, I feel as though this guy was was a reach. Um, this is one of the few reaches by Denver in this in this draft. Um, I mean, most most places are saying this guy is just a, a – they tanked by picking him. Um, I mean, good for you. You got him in the third round. I guess that's okay. But, I mean, this, this draft class was very deep at corner. But was this guy the best selection at corner, 99 overall? Eh, I don't know. He, he's He's got a lot to work on. Um, I don't know. Maybe Elway was just kind of going, oh, best available at this point. Nobody cares. But to me – this was just not the pick that you wanted to go with. He's a guy that you're going to really have to take your time to develop. Um, the Boston College really doesn't play anybody spectacular either. So it, was this the best pick? I, I don't really know. I don't think so. But, you know, they still somewhat filled team need after uh, the uh, failed Aqib Tlaib experiment. I wouldn't say it's failed. No, I mean, they did win a bowl, I guess. But, you know, did – I, I would say that that I keep to leave. I would call it a failure based on what you got in return for him. A Super Bowl, but a Super Bowl. But what did you get in return for him after trading him away? Fifth round. You know, no, yeah, they they definitely didn't get anything for trading him. But his time in Denver was well spent. Yeah, I'll say his time in Denver was well spent. A lot of guys learned, but I mean, they only got a fifth rounder for him when they traded him away. I, I don't. Really, they're, they're trying to get out of the contract. Yeah, and I I don't really like it. They're gonna have to give him his guaranteed money anyway. I I just and then they if they feel this Isaac Yatum is gonna be the guy that that fills that spot. I mean, you're sadly mistaken. It's a lot of that's, that's very hard shoes to fill. Yep, especially in the third round. So going into our fifth and final team. Mm hmm. You want the honor, Scotty? Absolutely. I'm gonna go with the Los Angeles Chargers. And I, it's such a tough thing for me to say because I'm so used to calling them the San Diego Chargers. Um, I loved their first round 
draft pick, Mr. Derwin James. I loved it. I well, think. I hope you liked more than their first round. Well, I, I liked I liked more than their first round. I will say that, but um, getting Derwin James that late in the first round, I mean, it was it, that was just absolutely brilliant. They needed a safety. They needed to fill that role. They got away with it. Um, the fact that Derwin James fell as far as he did, which kind of creates um, my big rant <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, um, you know why why are teams selecting certain guys at certain points in this draft? Derwin James should have never fallen to pick number seventeen. They got him at pick number seventeen. Um, you talk about NFL comparisons. So the guy he's being compared to has had a long history of being hurt. Mm. But when he plays, the dude's been great. He's being compared to Eric Berry. Right. Eric Berry has been a great safety. Right. And he's this guy This guy is all run-stop all the time. And and I love it. And it's it's interesting that they, they picked him. I think that they were looking at Minka Fitzpatrick, who, who went, what, 10th overall, was it? I think he went 10th, 9th. No, no, I'm sorry. He went 11th overall to Miami. But um, – you yeah. know, everybody everybody's talking about how Minka Fitzpatrick could be the guy that winds up in L.A. Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't drop. Miami takes him, which was kind of a surprise to me. Derwin James falls, because, but Derwin James was the top-rated safety in this draft. That was the crazy thing about this. So he winds up going over here to the Chargers. And get, uh, the Chargers got away with one. They got they got a great run stopper. He gets in, and he gets teamed up with Jaleel Aday. That was a great pick. I loved this selection. Um, it was smart. Oh, oh yeah, he he was a lot. He knows how to lock down tight ends. He he and running backs. He can't really keep up a lot of receivers. But I mean, the Chargers got one here, and and I think that their defense is scary, scary, scary. They've got a couple of, of guys that really know how to how to just hammer guys coming out of that backfield. And and I love that. I love having big, monstrous, nasty safeties that are going to come up and just hammer people and clobber them. I mean, these guys are two thumpers, and they're just going to just smack guys at every turn, and, and you're going to have a great duo there. So we're looking at the rest of their draft here. You can't put a team in the winner for just one guy. Mm. So but so going into the second round, and about the same time, they got themselves a linebacker. I'm going to let you look at his name. <laughs> Is, well, I, I'm not going to butcher his name because I know how it's pronounced. It's Uchenna Nuosu. Um, Nuosu uh, from USC uh, he was great. Um, he, down the stretch, he, he, he had to become a little more uh, conservative, uh, with, you know, um, as far as rushing the pass. Or I'm sorry, Bosa and Melvin Ingram, they had to become a little more conservative when rushing the pass. Um, and this, they need some help there. And this is going to be great. Um, they needed help against the run. And this guy's going to give it to them. Um, straight up, you got, you got two thumping – you know, safeties now, and then you got this big, nasty Nuosu, this run, this linebacker who's just, he loves to hit running backs. He loves it. He loves hit running backs. He's great at pass rush. Um, he's great run uh, in the run stopping. He knows how to blitz effectively. He knows how to hit guys uh, in between the, the uh, in the tackles there. It was awesome. It, it was a great pick. Uh, was, it, was it the best linebacker out there? No, but it was probably the best linebacker that they were going to get. Uh, moving into the the second round, they got a good selection here. And they they reached a little bit on on Justin Jones. Um, I don't I don't know if they did. Um, you, I mean, talking about your projections, you projected four fifth rounders. Yeah, but uh, Justin Jones, um, Brandon Mebane is in a contract year. 
Um, Justin Jones had himself uh, – they're viewing him as Brandon Meebane 2.0. Um, a, a lot of people were hearing. Um, he provides a, a good amount of depth for, depth for them. Um, but, you know, you got guys that got expiring contracts. you got to pick up the depth. you got to make sure you got a guy there as soon as they uh, – as soon as that guy's getting ready to walk out the door, and, and they did just that. It was it was just made sense. Absolutely. And uh, uh, round four, you go after Kaiser White, safety, West Virginia. I, I don't know how I felt about this pick. I feel like they went best available here. But you go and get a guy like Kaiser White, you get your depth, you got your two thumper safeties there, and then you get another safety from West Virginia. So, I mean, it, Kaiser White's more or less a depth guy. Um, Scott Quisenberry, he was okay for UCLA, nothing spectacular out of him. Um, I'll, I'll be honestly surprised if he even makes the team. I mean, even though he's from UCLA, I mean, I, I don't think he's, he's even going to go anywhere. Um, Dylan Cantrell, the wide receiver out of Texas Tech, he was a good pick. They need a lot of help at receiver. I mean, going that late wasn't going to get the help for you. No, Keenan Allen is just always hurt. He's always hurt. If Keenan Allen could stay healthy, the Chargers would be one of the hottest teams out there. But Keenan Allen can never stay healthy. I don't think I've seen one single year where Keenan Allen was 100% healthy, 16 games, rolling down the stretch. I'm sure he has, but but, but, but you're right. Yeah, I, I can't remember any of them. That's the thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure at some point he has, but I do I remember? I, probably not. And, uh, and then, you know, they go into the seventh round. They got Justin Jackson. The running back that was obviously for depth. I mean, you got yeah. Melvin Gordon hanging, hanging around outside of Keenan Allen. You hit you have the dynamic duo, probably the best tight end combo in the league right now. With Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry is set up to really take that team over once Antonio Gates is done. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, I stand corrected. Antonio Gates is no longer a charger. No, no, and, and um, Hunter Henry is is uh, uh, Hunter Henry is the kind of guy where where he's going to be. Your top uh, uh, tight end in that on that team. He was he was drafted for that. Gates was walking out the door. You knew Hunter Henry was going to be the guy, and that's what you got. You got and and Hunter Henry. You if I'm not mistaken, he was a first rounder. I mean, Hunter Henry is is a great tight end. No, he was a second rounder. I apologize. Um, is his third season in the NFL? I mean, he put up, he put up 579 yards, four touchdowns last year, 45 receptions. But he's been split with Antonio. Yeah, he's been splitting with Antonio. I can't wait to watch this kid blow up. Oh, now that now that it's his team to go, yeah, he's. I think he's going to blow up. Yep. Quick little stat on your boy Keenan Allen. I looked up what we got for a complete season. Mm -hmm. His first year was 2013. He he started 14 games. Mm -hmm. The year for that, 2014, started 14 games. Uh huh. 2015, eight games. 2016, one game. 2017, fifth. So he hasn't played sixteen. No, games, he right? hasn't. He hasn't played a si all sixteen games, which which says something about the durability of Keenan Allen. Eventually, the Chargers are going to have to go into the first round and draft a wide receiver. When that time is, I don't know, but you didn't get one in the fifth round this time around. I'll, I'll almost guarantee you. Um, but uh, and as we're we're going to go into real quick just before we we finish up our. Um, our leaders here, our, our winners here. I'm, I'm just going to go through the honorable mentions just to shotgun them out. Honorable mentions for the winners, uh, New York Jets. The Ar Green. Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals got away with murder. Um, and, and the Jets were, were really talking about the fact that they were able to snag Darnold. Yeah, that was the big one. That was the big one. Um, the Buffalo Bills, 
the Dallas Cowboys uh, getting late in Vander Esch uh, late in, in the first round was really nice for them. Um, the Atlanta Falcons walking out with Calvin Ridley and the Chicago Bears walking out uh, of the draft. Pretty good shape with Mr. McGlinchey there. So, um, I'm sorry, not McGlinchey, uh, Laquan Smith. But uh, I digress. It is time for a break. We're going to go ahead and give you a word from our sponsors. We'll be back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. And welcome back to Tob, the outside blitz. That's just weird. What, you don't like that? I am Scotty Freytown, along with Tyler Dean. the Trap Queen, Tyler Dean, which, al- which also makes you know yeah, which also makes is, you the troubled Tyler Dean. Is that why we're taking so long to get back on? You're looking for another freaking adjective. <laughs> it's one of my favorite games. Come on, Tyler. Oh boy, it's the most fun. Come on, I gotta. I'm gonna come up with a new one every time. This is gonna suck. Just for you. We should just be canceled already. No, we shouldn't. This is a great time, Tyler. This is a great time. But all right, we're gonna get back here. We talk about the winners of the draft. Yeah, winners of the draft, and now we're gonna be talking about the losers. There were some losers. Uh, all according, I according to your rant, there, there were a couple. Losers. A couple. A couple. There was about <laughs> sixteen in the first round. Including your beloved Ravens, other than their... Uh, well, I take that back. Your Ravens, they pulled themselves out of the gutter at the last second, which was kind of nice. But uh, with your losers in, in uh, the draft, I, I'm going to tell you what. There were so many, it was really hard to grade this one, this portion of it out because there were just so many teams that drafted so, so poorly. None, however, um, seemed to draft as bad as, as these five. So I'm going to go ahead and kick this one off. Now, now remember, you got to be unbiased. you got to call them by their actual uh, names. I'm not going to call these ones by their actual names because I hate them. I, I, I'm, I'm, oh, uh, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll meet you in the middle. I'll use both. Um, number five, right here on the, the Biggest Losers, the Detroit Lions, or as I like to call them, the old Detroit Lie Downs. Um, this there there's a lot of people that that are going to dispute this one with me and that's fine i don't care um it, it doesn't bother me at all but i mean the fact of the matter is the lions walked into the first round they had two to three centers that were graded above frank ragnow and they still picked him and number 20 look i get it the guy was a part of the sec i get it they, they they want to do address the weakness at left guard, but if you want to address the weakness at left guard, you pick up a left guard. You don't move Glasgow over. You don't pick up the fourth graded center. You, you go and you just pick up a left guard. There were plenty of them out there, and and the Lions really they screwed the pooch on this one. It was it was a bad selection. I mean, a lot of people there's it, it's everybody's basically split down the middle of this. A lot of people are saying it's a great pick, and then there's other places. I mean. 
the Detroit Free Press recently was just grading them an F. So, I mean, it's it's an interesting one, to say the least. So, well, one good pick they did here was in, in the second round, one of their biggest needs. And just despite picking up Blunt, 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 Blunt's dirty. They targeted the running back need. That, that, that is a plus there. Yeah, the carry on Johnson selection was, was smart. Um, However, Darius Geis was still on the board. Bingo. That was the big thing. That I, could have turned them to a winner in this draft if they had taken Geis in the second round. Right. And and I'm not going to sit here and say that carry on Johnson was, was a, a bad selection by any means. Um, they, they, they pick up a good power running back, I guess, but you already had a power running back when you had LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, Johnson, he, he was a, a solid runner all throughout college. He he makes sense for the Lions at the same time. You know, he he's had the Lions not taken him in the second round, and had they taken Geist, they could have been moved up to the winner's column, like you said. But had they not selected a, a running back in general in the second round, they could have been easily moved higher on this list um, in the loser's column. But um, they, they did target their needs. So I mean, they're still here because of what they did in the first round. But they did they did target their needs in the second round. But the rest of the draft, I also don't really – I mean, in the fifth round, you took Tyrell Crosby, offensive tackle. I'm okay with that. Um, but the rest of it's – Yeah, the the rest of it was, was all really rough. I, I get it. Look, you, got, you had to fill a, a need. You had Tavon Wilson. You had Glover Quinn. You have Miles Killebrew all going to free agency in 2020. I understand that, but you got two years. You know, if you're really going to go and, and pick up a, a round three safety out of uh, Louisiana Lafayette, I mean, at least, you know, go and get somebody that's really going to back these guys up or, or that's really going to be the fill-in once they walk out the door. Don't pick up the third-round safety that, that, you know, is just there for filler. I, I feel like this was just a, a bad pick. A lot of people are, are grading it much higher than it is. I mean, this is a problematic kind of pick to me. These are This is one of those picks where you, you find your – and a lot of these picks in this draft, they're picks where you find yourself saying, and, and I hear Lions fans say this all the time, typical Detroit Lions. And and none of this, these picks made sense. A lot There's a lot of Lions fans sitting there drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, and obviously I'm not going to as a Vikings fan, but what I am going to tell you is that I felt like as an unbiased person, I'm looking at this draft going – I don't like this. But you're also not unbiased. I'm not unbiased, but if I am an unbiased person, if I'm going to pretend to be an unbiased person, I'm going to tell you I don't like this draft. If I'm if I was just your average guy looking at this draft and I I didn't care about any of the 32 teams, but I I paid attention to the draft, I know that this is a bad draft. Um, Carryon Johnson was the only thing that truly saved them in this draft from from being absolute crap moving forward. And, and we talked about unbiased versus bias, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you an applause here for this next one. Oh, boy. And I, I picked this, and I will announce it because I, I picked these guys, and, and you want to hear unbiased here? Here you go, Tyler. I am going to go with my very own Minnesota Vikings. Hey, I got a fun fact for you. What's that? Um, did you know in the, in the history of the Super Bowl era, um, teams that have purple in their jersey have two Super Bowls total? If you pull the Minnesota Vikings out of it, there's still two. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, he, he, likes to, he likes to make jokes, ladies and gentlemen. He really does. But, you know, he's the, supposedly the, the unbiased one here. Um, round one, pick 30, the Vikings reach. a reach, reach, reach. Um, Mike Hughes, they, I understand you got a needed corner. You had, a lot of, you, had, you had Terrence Newman walk out the door this year. 
Trey Wayne's, you know, they're, they're going to be picking up his fifth year option in 2019. That's fine. Um, and it, it could, it's probably going to happen. Um, it, it was reported that they're going to go and pick up the $9 million fifth year option on, on Trey Wayne's. It, it, can it not happen? Yes, it, it may not happen. I felt like the pick on Mike Hughes from UCF was a reach, 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 like you wouldn't believe. Um, this guy wasn't even close to being an NFL first rounder. Um, I mean, he, he had a suspension in his freshman year. He's an off the field issue. Um, he physically very physical corner. Um, sometimes he's, he's a little too aggressive, but, uh, I mean, he, he could be a number one corner. He does have that potential, but uh, do I like this pick at number one? No, you could have gotten this guy third round. So like I said before, to, to hear, um, uh, Rick Spielman giving him a phone call and him saying, Oh, Hey, you know, Mike Hughes, we're, we're so lucky. We got you in number, you know, 30 overall. I'm sorry. I, I don't buy it. I think it's crap. Um, the reason that they, they moved up a little bit though, in this whole thing was their second round pick, which I really love. Um, Brian O'Neill, the offensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was a great pick. They they needed to fill the vacancy uh, from Joe Berger. Uh, Berger retires. They they have to fill a spot. They either fill it. They can fill that spot with O'Neill. He can play tackle. He can play guard. But I, I think realistically, they're they moved Mike Remmers to guard in the playoffs, and they got away with it. To me, it makes total sense. You take Mike Mike Remmers, you stick him at guard, and you put O'Neill at tackle, and you've got a, a starting right tackle there. And, and, and they're comparing to, to Jake Fisher. Yeah, very, very good guy there. He's, he's, he's very proven. Yeah, he's it, this guy is athletic. He's it, it, and and the the most common words that I'm hearing about Brian O'Neill is he's an unfinished product. Um, but you know he still can be a finished product in this league, and I, I'm I'm fully I'm fully invested in this pick. I think that's what kind of kept the the Vikings out of of the. Uh, out of the uh, fire there, as far as being having the worst draft, um, they they made a, a few good kicks uh, or uh, picks rather. I mean they they got Daniel Carson, the kicker out of Auburn, which and, I, and, and, and about him, um, that's a good pick. Yeah, um, people don't look at kickers as a big deal, but they they kind of are. Um, just, just kind of digressing a little bit, Justin Tucker, right, undrafted. No one even looked at him. Ravens pick him up on, a, on an undrafted deal and. The rest is history. He's proven to be one of the best kickers in the league. But looking at Daniel Daniel Carson, a little fun fact on him here. Um, they they got him right where his right, right go. The, the the dude's has thirteen fifty plus yard field goals. Yeah. In college is a big deal. Yeah, and that makes this guy such a great pick, especially when you have somebody like Kai Forbath sitting on your roster as your starting kicker. I think this Daniel Carson Carlson guy. He's going to come in and he's going to try and take Kai Forbath's job real quick. I think he does. I think, and that's what I think. I think he does. I think he's younger. He's got a stronger leg. If he takes Kai Forbath's job before the preseason, I, I honestly would be thrilled because I don't think Kai Forbath, I mean, he had a, a good year last year. Is he the best kicker out there? Not really. Does he have the leg strength? Not really. Kai Forbath doesn't hit a lot of 50 yarders. He's not the most accurate guy in the world. I'm not buying it. I think Daniel Carson Carlson's the guy. It, it reminds me of when when Tucker took over some years back in 2012. Um, For the great they, Matt Stover. No. Was it not Stover? Stover retired, and, and we were like, 
the musical Kickers for a couple of years. Oh, was they, it Billy Cundiff? They had, still, they had seen the house couple who, who had a terrible year yeah. in Baltimore. They, they ended up going on to Seattle having a good career. Um, but um, we, had, we had Billy Cundiff. Good old Billy Cundiff. Mr. W- well, uh, the second coming of Mr. Wide Left, I'll say, because I had to deal with Gary Anderson. Second, third. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, in 2011, they had the uh, Wide Left. Mm-hmm. And then, and Cundiff went to the Pro Bowl that year. Yeah, and, he was never and, a horrible he, he kicker. Eight, eight, I think he was 87, 88% accuracy, which is a top notch in the league. And then he has the miss. And, and like I said, I've been talking about it in the past. Sometimes it depends when the miss happens. Right. So during the offseason, the Ravens go, oh, we're, 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 we're bringing in a kicker to help. Just kind of training practice. He's undrafted. No one really knows who he is. And then all of a sudden, this kicker just starts kicking these field goals that like Billy Cunningham can't keep up with. It's like, and they keep going, oh, Veteran, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, I don't know where. Yeah, bye bye, bye bye. And I can see that same thing happening here in Minnesota. Yeah, and and they they had the great thing going on with Minnesota has a track record for picking up great kickers, um, especially out of the draft. I people and and people are going to crap all over him because of his last season in Minnesota. But the fact of the matter is, before that final season. Before that missed kick against Seattle, Blair Walsh was a great kicker. Blair Walsh was great. He had great leg. He kicked more fifty yarders than anybody in the in the entire um, league that year. He led the league in fifty plus yard kicks. He had great accuracy. Can almost compare that season to Billy Cunningham. Yep. And and one one bad kick, you know, cost them the wild card round. I, realistically, I think that this Daniel Carlson guy is going to be the guy. Um, the other guy that that caught my eye, um, as far as the Vikings go. Um, there were two guys, actually. Uh, Jalen Holmes, the defensive end out of Ohio State, uh, it gives him a little bit of depth. I think one thing that we're looking at is that Daniil Hunter is in a contract year. So you're going to see Daniil Hunter. Um, you know, He's going to garner big money, so you got questions there. Do you keep Daniil Hunter, or do you let him walk and put Jalen Holmes there? Do you keep him at de- as depth? What do you do? I think the Vikings have a great opportunity here to let Daniil Hunter walk out the door draft a first round defensive end whoever that may be next year and and you know this Jalen Holmes guy could give him some depth at depth at defensive end um they they had a headache bow there for a little while there and and that that was fine but he's just not the guy um so I think that the Vikings they, that's why they're number four on here I I think I think that like I said had they not gotten O'Neal they would have uh been even further down this list, they might have been the the absolute worst um, draft class that that we've seen selected. But move to number three. Number three. Yeah. So here we go to number three. The losers of the Minneapolis Miracle. Oh yeah, yeah. The the old New Orleans Saints, man. Oh, I don't understand the New Orleans Saints. I don't. You you trade away your your first rounder for next year. To move up in this draft, what fourteen spots? Yep. And you, you, you everybody's over here going. They're going to take Lamar Jackson. Yep. I mean, that's that's the the big thought. Lamar Jackson's going off the board right now. I swore it was quarterback. I felt quarterback was coming. And next thing you know, Mark and da- Marcus Davenport goes off the board. And now I'm going to say this: Saints defense has been historically bad. So gr- going defensive end is not a bad pick. But for everything they gave up to get him is the problem here. Well, the other thing I ha- I think I need to point out here is that last year the Saints had one of the best pass rushes in the game. So what are you getting 
for selecting a defensive end. What are you you I, I understand you wanted another edge rusher that goes uh, uh, across from Cameron Jordan. I get that. You have Sheldon Rankins, you got Cameron Jordan. Now you need that final piece of the puzzle. Davenport's the guy. Do I get that? Yeah. Does it fill the team need for sure? Am I moving up 14 spots to get Marcus Davenport? No. Because he, he was also projected to go right where Saints took him. Right. But when you, when you tear up 14 spots, like you're giving up that much. You tear up 14 spots, you give up the first rounder of next year. When you give up that that type of that type of draft pick power there, when you hand that away, you're getting your your franchise quarterback. That's what you're doing, and not a defensive end. I I don't understand. Now Davenport Davenport could blow us all away. He ends up being this first ballot Hall of Famer type of guy. You know what? If he does, Saints have shut us up. If if you get a Hall of Famer, fourteen spots up, and what you get is worth it. But I'll, I'll be honest. I I don't care where he goes. That's the thing. I, I don't care if he if he winds up as a Hall of Famer or, or, or whatever. You have Drew Brees on a two-year contract. You should be signing a quarterback and sticking him behind Drew Brees and letting him learn, and you're not. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Davenport was great. You know, he was, he, he was great over at UTSA. He was. But, but am I going to sit here and, and tell you that this was – the, the absolute best pick that they could have made, no, Lamar Jackson should have been off the board at this point. That should have been the guy you picked up. That's the guy you moved with. And then, so, they, they didn't have a second-round pick. No. So, going to the third, they, they, they got Jaquan Smith. And it was a good pick. That that was where why the Saints – here's the thing. Davenport, is he a good player? Yes. And, and that's why I'm going to say, did they give up too much to get him? Sure, but he was still a good player. Um, and that's why they they stayed out of the cellar here. Um, yeah, there's, there's two things. Like, like oh, like if, if you just said, oh, I, I went, oh, they're grabbing Lamar Jackson, and if, if I said, oh, no, they're not. Like, oh, they're going to grab Ridley. Yep. Get, to give to give uh, Breeze more weapons, and, and then they went down for it. But so they waited to the third round to finally get the receiver to complement um, Michael Thomas. Yeah, and and Traquan Smith is he's great. Um, I, he's a the Saints love the deep ball. They're they're just deep ball guys drew Brees has the arm they love to to just throw the ball downfield and and i think that's exactly why they get a guy like traquan smith um i mean michael thomas is the kind of guy where you can you can hit out of the flat he's the kind of guy that you can hit over the middle he's the guy that he's the he's gonna almost kind of be your slot guy um in a sense but traquan smith is your your deep ball guy and i think drew Brees is going to exploit that this guy's a big real big bodied guy he's he knows how to attack downfield and he knows how to be aggressive and get the ball when it's when it's thrown up there. This makes a lot of sense. I like to I like this this pick. Um, it shows me that that Mr. Coleman over there is not going to be resigned when his contract expires at the end of the season. Uh, personally, I, I just I like the Traquan Smith pick, and and uh, the Saints well, got away Coleman with one there. Coleman can still be signed. He's not going to get a monster deal because he hasn't done anything great. But having um, Michael Thomas. Um, Coleman and Smith could be a, could be a good one for three points. It could, and and I, I don't know. It really depends on how much Coleman's going to be asking come come the off season here. I, I just this year with one of the best quarterbacks of all time is going to is going to be a big point of it. Depending how well he does, it will show what he's worth. Yep, he's he's really going to have to outshine uh, Traquan Smith here. Um, moving up to our number two worst draft 
this year in 2018. That's me hitting my head against the wall. Yep, over and over and over again. I mean, Tyler and I have just been beating the hell out of a dead horse here for the, the better part of the last X amount of years. Um, as per the norm, in that, that bottom five, the Cleveland Browns. Um, I just... This is one of those times where you have the number one pick and you can't screw it up. They, they make it idiot-proof. They have Sam Darnold sitting on the board. You don't take him and you go with, with Baker Mayfield. I, I mean, I, it's a huge gamble, and the Browns are so accustomed to taking these types of gambles on players that, I mean, just don't pan out. It's been such a consistent thing. It, it happens too often. Cleveland fans are, are banging their heads against the wall going, what in the hell is going on? Nobody seems to really like this pick. I sure as hell don't. Uh, I don't I don't buy Baker Mayfield. I don't. I, I, I think that you've got a guy who, who doesn't know how to run a traditional style, NFL pro style offense. I think you got a guy who, who uh, you know, he played a, a spread offense in college. Um, he, I don't know that he has the football IQ to, to play at a, at a high level in, in the NFL. I don't know that, and, and you can't rely on Hugh Jackson to transition him over. You just can't. It's, it, they went out there and they, they acquired all these draft picks after all these years, and just when it looks like they're finally going to turn themselves into this amazing, amazing team, the, the Cleveland Browns go and waste their pick. I'm Baker Mayfield. This guy is not the future of your franchise. He's not going to learn behind Tyrod Taylor. He's not going to learn with Hugh Jackson as his, co as his coach. You have to pick a guy that's pro-ready. You have to pick a guy that can, can play in a pro-style offense. you got to be able to do that. Baker Mayfield's not the guy. I think they just saw the words Heisman next to his name, and their eyes lit up, and, and the Browns just went in there and they crapped the bed. And that's why they're called the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and they, they didn't take they didn't take the number one quarterback. They didn't take number two quarterback. Not number three, and then arguably four or five. Are uh, yeah, they they took the number four or five quarterback in this draft. Why? Why? This makes no sense. And then jumping just uh, not we're not even talking about we're not even talking about the second round because mm -hmm. three picks later they go okay they screwed the first one but they gotta be taking Bradley Chubb. Yeah, it's it, uh, this was also something that I thought was going to be a no brainer. Um, and and you needed somebody that was going to compliment Miles Garrett, and they they went and picked up uh, Denzel Ward. I mean, I get it; he's the number one corner in this draft class. But this class was so deep at corner, you could have gone in the second round and picked up corners. I I just Even as early as the first pick in the second of the second round, which they had. Yeah, and I I don't I don't buy this. This this is another one of those those selections where you're going, what in the hell are these guys doing? Um. He he just they they it's like they just went in and they they loaded up the gun and shot themselves in the head with with two first rounders. I I, I just makes no sense. At a certain point, we're 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 well, what are we doing here? We're treading water. <laughs> and he's, and, and we're doing what we do best. We're the Browns. Yeah, I mean that's uh, what what are you doing here? Um. It, it was a bad selection. It was it was a huge reach on a on a player that if you if you wanted to take the corner, if you really wanted to take Denzel Ward, trade down. Trade down. This is this should have been the, the pick where they traded down in this draft. They acquired more draft picks. 
The second round was so loaded with great talent. They could have gotten a ton of talent, um, and they didn't. And then uh, they go into the second round. They had pick one. They had pick three, and they did nothing with it. Um, they went out and they they reached on Austin Corbett, which I I it was a head scratcher to me. They I get it, you know you you had um, uh, you had a guy retire in Joe Thomas. I understand you want to fill that offensive tackle position, but you're not going to fill it with Austin Corbett. You if you're if you're looking for anybody to fill that that void there, you trade it down, you get Mike McGlinchey, and you move on. But instead, they stuck with Austin Corbett in the second round. They reached on him. If they wanted to replace Thomas, they should have done it in the first round, trade down and take the number one offensive lineman in, in the draft. And, right, and that would have been Mike McGlinchey. And, and you know, you weren't going to get Quentin Nelson. Unless you go, you picked him at number four, you weren't going to get Quentin Nelson, but you didn't need a guard. You needed a tackle. And and you, Mike McGlinchey was the guy. They didn't get Mike McGlinchey. They, they let him walk out the door. I mean, there were so many things wrong with the Browns draft this year that it at the same time it's almost par for the course for the city of Cleveland and, and what they do. And so also in the second round, very early, so you're still getting good picks here. Is, is they took Nick Chubb at running back. If you're not going to go for a guy like Barkley and you've already signed Carlos Hyde to a deal, why, why uh, waste your time on running back this early? And, and one thing that, that I don't get about this pick is Darius Geis was on the board, and this is going to be the theme of this show. I, I mean, that that might as well be what we title this this episode. Darius Geis was on the board. Uh, Nick Chubb. I mean, it was a huge reach. It was just a, a a fundamental reach. You you have Carlos Hyde on the on your team. You have Duke Johnson on your team, and and you you go and you pick up a guy that's that's essentially filler. I don't get it. I don't like it. It was a giant save, reach. Save filler for the later round. Yeah, that guy should have been a fourth round pick, and I, I don't get it. Nick Chubb well, is a lot. Well, I, I wouldn't say fourth round, but but there are definitely running backs that should have taken over. Nick Chubb. Well, if I had to grade the Nick Chubb pick, if I had to grade what grade what Nick Chubb really is as far as a a running back, I'm giving him maybe a a, a D minus. I I don't think that he was really worth anything at this round at this stage of the game. It was a, a monstrous reach with the second round. You should have selected him fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth round. The guy, I don't buy it. Um, so another pick that the Cleveland Browns is head treasure for me. I'm sure he's a good white out here. But in the fourth round, they took Antonio Callaway. Um, it, yeah, Callaway, it, it, was a, it was an additional pick from New England. Do they need a receiver per se? Not well, really. Well, here's the problem with Antonio Callaway. And it's back to par for the course of Cleveland. They take a guy, and there are, there are other receivers on the board. He's had credit card scam issues with the law, yep. issues with marijuana, sexual assault allegations. The, the guy has been has not been out of trouble since he started college. No, and that's par for the course for Cleveland. Yeah, that's. I mean, they're already dealing with, and Josh Gordon is a great, great receiver. Yeah. But clean Josh Gordon is good, Josh Gordon. Yeah, <laughs> but how often is Josh Gordon clean? Uh, yeah. And you pick up another guy who's. Out of that same mold, mm-hmm. and, and they, they they have Corey Coleman, they have Josh Gordon, they have um, Landry now. They have their one, two, three. This is going to be more filler, but he's not going to be there to fill anything. No, and when Gordon he winds up, and do we know that Josh Gordon is actually going to play ball? That's going to be the question. <laughs> is he actually going to play ball? When's the last time that Josh Gordon was relevant, other than you know in his 20, pot smoking? Twenty fourteen. Yeah, I mean he hasn't been relevant in a long time. Is he capable for sure? Uh, when he plays. He, I mean, 
when he played this year, he he, he averaged the most yards of any of the season. Right. It's the big thing is is Josh Gordon. If you're listening out there, quit smoking the funny stuff. Um, the one pick that I was happy with from Cleveland, um, Chad Thomas, the defensive end, pick three of the third round. Um, they needed help on the D line a little bit. I this guy was great. Um, he can create a pass rush. I mean, he, he he is a great edge rusher. He's got a lot of a lot of upside. Could he compliment um Miles Garrett? Absolutely, I think he can. This this one was a great pick. It was a great value pick. I, I don't think Chad Thomas is an, an amazing all-star, powerful athlete. He's not definitely not a first rounder, but they did get a little bit of a steal here. I think he could have gone second round. So you almost got away with one on the Chad Thomas uh for as a defensive end. So it was it was a, a great move. Um but I mean, outside of that, Cleveland having themselves just one of the most rough drafts of, of 2018 for sure. And um, moving on, last but not least, the worst draft in the uh, in the 2018 NFL draft. The worst draft goes to the Oakland Raiders. Um, man, I'll tell you what they. I don't understand Oakland. Uh, John Gruden is just a, a strange, strange animal to me. Well, he's not the GM. <laughs> he is. He's not the GM, but you know how much control that guy loves to have. I mean, Colton Miller. Uh, uh, I mean, he he played both sides at UCLA. That's fine. Um, but they have such a, a just an enormous need at linebacker, and, and they just they, they took one in the sixth round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's not going to help you. You have such a, a horrendous need at linebacker, and you go and you you snag a guy who, I mean, as an offensive tackle, he's got a, a lot of a lot of trouble as far as his health goes, as far as being able to to you know uh, and really he, play pass blocking. Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds was on the board, and and. So is Darius Geis, but um, <laughs> well, they don't have a need for running back though. They have Doug Martin and, and yeah, Lynch, yeah. But it, we just love Darius Geis around here now. But um, this is, this has been a perfect candidate for Cleveland to trade down and get the tackle at fifteen. Yep, and, and they could have Raiders trade up and take somebody like a uh, a Chubbs or a Mike McGlinchey. Could you could you imagine that would have been the better pick? Mike McGlinchey was the best offensive tackle on the board this year, and and the fact that he fell even a little bit was just like what? Um, he he just this guy doesn't have a good head on his shoulders. He plays top heavy. Um, this was just not a, a great pick. I mean, does he have the length to be a, a blindside blocker for sure? I, I don't I, I don't think that's. Um, uh, a question, but you know it, he needs a lot of technique work. Is he serviceable? Yeah, but was it with a reach? Yeah, Colton Miller shouldn't have been going until the second round. I had a feeling somebody was going to take him first round this early. No, I think it was crazy talk. But but at least we're talking about protecting quarterbacks. At least they were thinking about protecting Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean their heart was in the right place, but I so, mean they took two <laughs> offensive tackles in the first three rounds, and I'm I, I'm okay to an extent. But they, they their biggest need wasn't offensive line. No, it was at Not, linebacker. Nowhere and, near as bad as say Colts were. Yeah, they, it was at linebacker. It was at defensive tackle. We we knew that they did the right thing in the second round. They went and, and kind of fixed themselves a little bit with PJ Hall out of Sam Houston State, and 
I mean, he's he's a he was a good good defensive tackle. Hell, I would have been more happy with Sam Houston going first round than I was Colton Miller going first round. Um, I, I felt like Sam Houston. I, I watched tape on him. He was he played a lot of good zone coverage. Um, it, he's a, he's an all around great guy. He's 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 strong. He he's a three technique kind of guy. He's explosive. He can he can handle double teams. This guy was was the ideal pick for the Raiders right there. And then they, you know, it's like, all right, maybe they're maybe they're getting somewhere. And then in, in the third round, they they snag Baltimore as number one in the in the third round, and they they get themselves the offensive tackle Brandon Parker out of North Carolina, which I mean was a reach. Um, he's a filler kind of guy. Um, I get it. I, I get that a replacement's going to be needed soon because Donald Penn is on the left side, and Donald Penn's going to be going bye bye. He's old. I understand, but at the same time, I feel like we're reaching too far for offensive tackles that you don't need. Now, one place where the Raiders won, and, and we're not really considering that because this is supposed to be they're supposed to be losers of the the draft. But what they did during the draft, during the trading was, and they picked up a huge piece, and Derek Carr's going to be excited about this. They have a fantastic, probably the best one, two, three punch in the league. Martavius Bryant got traded to the Raiders. So Bryant was number two in Pittsburgh, who you could argue Bryant and Antonio were uh, a, were one of the best one, two punch in the league. But now Bryant's considered number three. Mm-hmm. As a three, Bryant is probably the best number three receiver in the league. Correct. By a mile. Yeah. You're talking about Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson, and now Martavius Bryant. And if Martavius Bryant can not get suspended and stay on the field, which is up in the air. Yeah. You're talking about Raiders who already were a threat to the Super Bowl are now even bigger threat to making the Super Bowl. The interesting thing about the Martavius Bryant trade is that Martavius Bryant, um, he could outperform Jordy Nelson. Yes, he could. And I don't, I don't think that, that uh, that's even a question. Jordy Nelson is an aging guy now. He has a lot of work, he, or needs a lot of work. He's, he's had injuries. He's, he started declining quite a bit. I mean, Jordy Nelson has not been the Jordy Nelson that we have known since the Super Bowl time of the Green Bay Packers. So can Martavius Bryant outdo Jordy Nelson? I think so, and I think that's what you're going to see this year. And so let me backpedal. You look at Martavius Bryant – Slash Nelson being number three, most teams would dream to have that. Oh yeah, and and Cooper has been regressing too, but he needs some help out there. Crabtree um, gave him some help, but I, I personally I think Amari Cooper needs to step up his game a little bit. I, I think you give Amari Cooper some serious help, and I think you give Derek Carr a, a far better weapon um, going with the deep ball. And even though I, I can't, the the reason that I can't give the Oakland Raiders a pass based solely on that is because the Oakland Raiders didn't exactly draft him. So I can't give him a pass based solely on that. Agreed. Yeah. So um, we got another break coming up here. Uh, We're going to get some quick music here, and uh, we will be right back right here on the Outside Blitz.
Welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your co-host, Tyler Dean, and next to me I still have, unfortunately, the fabulous Scotty Freytown. The Trap King! Scotty Freytown with his Trap Queen. And Tyler, no, Tyler I, Dean. I'm the king here. You're, you're the king. I, well, this, this is, after all, your giant castle. <laughs> I walked into that one. Yes, you did. Where's your crown? So we have one more segment left of the day, and I can't help myself. As a wrestling fan, we haven't really talked about that that part of our lives. No, we don't. As a wrestling fan, and I'm terrible at voiceovers, but here's my inner my inner Howard Finkel. It's time for your main events. Oh yeah, that's what it's time for, ladies and gentlemen. Because here is, and here's our main event. What do we got here, Scotty? It's well, it, I should be asking you. This is my segment. It's time for Tyler's top ten. Here we go. And you know what? We're, we're doing this again. I, and I said this won't be every week, but Scotty hijacked my top 10 last week. and Heck yes, I did. Added in his, uh, I don't even remember the name of it, his extra five or Freytown's Forgotten Five. Is that what we're calling it? The That's what we're calling five? it because you don't go over everything. But it's my segment. Uh... Well, I wanted, I wanted my own segment, too, you know. And you got it. You got your rant. Oh, come on. The rant was great. The rant, the rant was a Scotty Dean Scott. Yeah, but what, I mean, what, would you expect anything less? No. Yeah, exactly. But we're going to have another episode of Tyler's Top Ten. Yeah, I hope you're excited. Get your hand out of your pants, Tyler. Yeah, I'm always excited about my Top Ten. <laughs> It's just kind of just raging out there. Ah, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, my top tens are always. Raging. I don't want to see what you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't don't want to see what you're doing over there, but okay. So I'm gonna nerd out a little bit here. So I, I took players that I that I, that I really liked in the draft, and 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 I at the end of the day I, I took players that I really liked mixed with uh, their 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 overall talent as far as the scouting reports in how far they dropped the draft, and I did my little nerding engineering thing and threw together a formula and then put together my top ten. Yeah, and then I, afterwards I told him what a vagina feels like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm married. Oh, exactly. I told you what a vagina feels like. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go with the – I'm not going to repeat the way you said it because it just sounded weird. It's Tyler's top ten. <laughs> Number this is this is draft picks. This, so number ten is a very underrated pick I like, and that's James Washington, wide receiver drafted by the Steelers. And he was he was projected to go late second round, and that's exactly where he went. So that's why he's really low on this list. But I think James Washington was projected a lot lower. He deserved to go. Absolutely. Um, James Washington has the potential of being in. in being that next big thing, um, last year Steelers drafted uh, uh, Juju. Oh, Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith Schuster, and 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 with James Washington, if if he if he becomes the pick I expect him to be, that's another young receiver they have if it, at, behind Antonio Brown. Yeah, and he went round two, late round two. Um, I mean, realistically, you got a, a five point seven. Um, a draft grade out of him uh, from NFL.com, which I thought was just awesome. Um, round two, pick 28. Steelers got a steal on him. Ah, see what I did there? Steelers got a steal. Um, Steelers. Uh, yeah, hey, you know what? And that's all right, but they got they did get a steal on this guy, and, and they wanted to fill that role that that um, 
Bryant uh, left when he went over to Oakland. Uh, and we're talking about best one two three punch and Schuster going to his second year, mm-hmm. and he could really he could he, and he had a fin- he he surprised people in his rookie season. And welcome to his second year, he could really advance that much more. And now you have a nice young receiver in James Washington. That could be become the, the next best one, two, three punch. Right. And and I, I think Mike Tomlin sees a guy that's not going to cause as much trouble as Bryant. I think that really made a lot of uh, 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 it was a big help in making the decision here to go after James Washington. It was a smart pick. It was it was late in the second round. I mean. Most most drafts are saying that this is, I mean, uh, a B plus to A minus draft pick, and and I'm a I'm gonna go ahead and agree with it. I think that's an excellent draft pick. So moving on here, and I'm not used to me agreeing, so this is just weird. Yeah, I know it's strange. So going to number nine, and I'm I've got a guy here who, I he's not on here because he fell, but he's on here because of his talent. The guy's got sheer talent, and that's Shaquan Barkley. Yep. Running back, obviously, and he went to the Giants at number two. Yep. Barkley is one of those guys who just you, you listen to anybody talk about him, the guy's going to be the next big thing. Yep. And and the Giants got to steal him. It's just it's it's a shame that they didn't get a guy like this four years ago. Right. Because Eli is in the very back end of his career. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe Eli can have one more Super Bowl miracle. One more year in the sun, there, huh? Hopefully not against the Patriots. <laughs> They don't. They should never go again. Nobody wants to see that ever again. But I, I liked Barkley. Like at, at number two, he didn't fall at all. But, but it was the obvious pick for the Giants. But, but him being on this list is talk, we're talking about sheer talent alone. Yep. The, the guy's going to be great, and there's no arguments there. No, I, I don't think. I think the New York Giants, if they, if Barkley fell or didn't fall to number two, I would have been surprised. I didn't think Cleveland was going to take him. There, there's too big of a need at quarterback. The the Giants went and made the correct pick, and and that's what this was. It wasn't like they they went and made a huge move to go get him. It's not like they went back and still picked the guy up. No, they stayed right where they were at. They made the proper pick and made a good, strong choice. This guy makes sense, and it fills a huge need on their ball club. And and talking about. Players not dropping, but talking about sheer, sheer talent. Number eight, we're talking about the same kind of thing. The Broncos went and take, took Bradley Chubb at defensive end. Another guy who went right around where he's supposed to go, maybe a hair later. He's projected to go with like number two, three, or four overall, and he went five. But Bradley Chubb's going to be a phenomenal player for the Broncos. Yeah. On top of an already good defense, but this is a guy that the Browns should have taken, and they didn't. Yeah, they should have. Um, the Broncos got lucky on this one. I didn't think that that he was going to fall. I, I I didn't think that Bradley Chubb was going to fall to number five to the Broncos. They got away with one. Uh, the Browns just kind of let him waltz out the door. I, I don't understand why they did, but they let him waltz out the door. They went right into the Broncos' hands, and it worked out nicely. The Broncos didn't pick up Shane Ray's fifth-year option um, because they they were able to draft Chubb. So it, it saves them money. Gets their future defensive end. I love this pick. It, it was fantastic. And again, it's another situation where the a team made the pick they were supposed to make, which we didn't see much during this draft, but they made the pick they were supposed to make in the first round. He was available. They took him. Smart. I, I, I commend uh, John Elway for making that move. Great, great move. Moves on number seven. And this pick... 
normally wouldn't be my top 10 here, but because Cleveland just turned the entire first round and most importantly the top 10 on its axis into a mess, um, because they took Mayfield so early, um, this player dropped because of which, because he should have been the second quarterback off the list, ended up being the uh, fourth. And that's number seven at Josh Rosen. Yeah. Um, Cardinals were going to take a quarterback. That was going to happen. They, they lost Palmer in the offseason. And I think going in the draft, they expected to get probably Mayfield or maybe a Lamar Jackson. Right. I I think that everybody thought that, that Baker Mayfield was going to be dropping in this uh, draft, and he just didn't. Um, and, and, I, and I think Cardinals would have taken Lamar Jackson here had Cleveland not made that shift. Because if Cleveland would have taken Darnold, Jets would have gotten probably Rosen. Yep. And Cardinals would have had their choice at Lamar or Allen Jackson. Yeah, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Allen Jackson. Allen Jackson. Allen Jackson. <laughs> Josh Allen. Jesus. Um, Tyler's I, driving pickup trucks and his dog's dying. I don't. I don't think that um, Josh Allen is the guy. I, so, so Cardinals kind of got away with this. They didn't have the opportunity to have to pick Josh Allen. Yeah, they they. Um, the Cardinals, the, the only reason I, I wasn't okay with this pick, and I, I think that was the only reason, is the fact that they moved up to number 10 to do it. Um, the, the move was a bit much. Uh, you, you look at um, what teams could have taken Josh Allen, and um, the only one that really could have was Miami, but Miami wasn't going to make the move on Josh Allen. Miami made a move on a safety. I don't think that they were looking at Josh Allen. I don't think they were staring at him. I'm sorry, Josh Rosen. Rather, I, I, I don't think they were staring at him. I, I think that I think Miami's still on the uh, Tannehill project. Yeah, and I, I believe that they, they still think that Ryan Tannehill can play at a high level. And I don't believe Miami felt that any of these quarterbacks were anything special. So, did Arizona really get a steal in the situation? No, it was still a great pick because he was the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft. But um, Miami uh, uh, kind of handed one. Well, Arizona kind of grabbed one from from a team that wasn't grabbing at it in the first place. Mostly because I mean, Cleveland started that that rift of this draft right out of the gate. Yeah, a little bit of paranoia there, I think. So number six, I'm going to a guy who was drafted in the third round. I'm going pretty deep here. Yeah, but I I like Steelers pick and Mason Rudolph. I loved this pick. I think he's a better quarterback than the Bills took in early first round. Josh Allen. Yep, I you know, and Josh Allen. He's a physical guy. He's a running quarterback. I hate running quarterbacks. You know as well as I do. I hate running quarterbacks. I've always hated running quarterbacks. I, I just the fact of the matter is, running quarterbacks do not survive in the NFL. Period. Un- unless they convert. Yeah. Unless Russell they learn. Russell Wilson has proven. Russell Wilson has turned to a pocket passer who can run better than, than most mobile quarterbacks, but he but it's not his first choice anymore. Right. And and that's my big thing. He, you you have the running quarterback that can't survive in the NFL anymore, and and Allen is not that guy. And then I see a guy like Mason Rudolph go off the board, uh, third round, goes to the Steelers. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's on the ass end of his career. You know Ben Roethlisberger's going to be heading out the door soon. And this guy is the guy that's going to learn from one of the best of the best of the best, and he's going to learn how to play professional football and be the Pittsburgh Steelers' top guy for a long time and, to come. And, and love or hate the Steelers and as someone who hates the Steelers. Yeah. They got themselves a steal here. The guy was predicted in the second round, and I think he was. I think even his projections were too low. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. His projections were low. People people put too, um, too much of a ceiling on this guy. I, I believe that he's going to be 
he could very well be the best quarterback to come out of this draft. Him and Darnold, I think, are going to be the two guys that are going head-to-head to be the top quarterback coming out of this draft class. Potentially, yes. And that leads me to my next pick. Who could who could another mobile guy? I'm hesitant as as a Ravens fan. Yep. But could also I mean if he, if he smartens up and and learns like Russell Wilson did, he could be in that same caliber top of the league when it comes to this draft class. Mm-hmm. So we're and, and and I don't think him putting that number five is that big of a thing, especially given how far he dropped in the draft. Right. And that's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and Lamar was. He, he dropped in the draft technically, but he was a good selection at number 32. The Ravens really, they got a steal here. They, they got away with one. Um, they, they had to trade up to get him. But, I mean, had the Ravens not gone and gotten Lamar Jackson, I would have said that they lost this draft. But the fact that they went up and got him made me feel really, really good for them. Um, it, it wasn't a reach. They reached on the tight end. The, the bottom line is, and I know there's a lot of people that were saying, oh, this guy's going to go first round, and 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 that's fine. The bottom line is, that to me, the guy was projected second round. He wasn't even the top tight end in the class. And then you got Lamar Jackson getting taken right after that. To me, you could have gotten the tight end in the second round. Lamar Jackson, the fact that they just got him, though, it, it is the future of that franchise. And I'm telling you, and I've been predicting it to Tyler all week, I'm going to tell you right now, if Joe Flacco, and this is one of my bold predictions for the upcoming season here, if Joe Flacco does not produce a Super Bowl this year, Lamar Jackson will be taking over as the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. That is my word on it. And you know, we're we're just a we're we're a little bit off on this. I'm I'm going with if if Joe Flacco misses the playoffs, or I'm sorry, if Joe Flacco doesn't win a playoff game, then Jackson come in. But if, but if, if Ravens come in, go to the playoffs. Win the win a win a playoff game. I mean, when you've won a Super Bowl, it's got to be playoff. It's got to be Super Bowl or bust. But as far as keeping your job, he's got to go win a playoff game. Well, and it's Super Bowl or bust. I agree with you on that. I, I think one big factor about this whole thing, about it being uh, about it being uh, the reason I'm saying it's Super Bowl or bust for Joe Flacco is twenty six million dollars says a lot. The guy makes twenty six million dollars this year. I expect a Super Bowl out of a twenty six million dollar quarterback. I don't expect, you know. Um, you know, win a single playoff game and go eleven and five. I expect a playoff and maybe you go twelve and four or higher. Joe Flacco is going to have to show up this year. Joe Flacco is going to have to ball out this year, and Joe Flacco is going to have to show that he's worth that money. I hope, and and for his sake, I hope that he goes out and has himself a hell of a year. And and he very well could. In the start of his career, he had his first eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Um, he had six great playoff appearances going to the Super Bowl. And kudos to him. I mean, he had he had six great playoff appearances. I think a big question comes in: How many of those playoff appearances? And and this is going to be uh, this battle between Tyler and I will be a never ending story because he's in love with Joe Flacco. I hate Joe Flacco. I I believe that Joe Flacco is the most overrated quarterback in the history of the game. Now, he's not um, even the most overrated quarterback in the history of the Ravens. Uh, Hey, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, but I think everybody knows that that was a joke. Um, But to me, Joe Flacco's been hiding behind a great run game for a long time. But Lamar Jackson could be the guy to take over for Joe. I think that's what they're banking on. That's what they're banking on, but I'm with you is I'm hesitant on the type of quarterback he is. I'm hesitant. makes me nervous. Running quarterbacks don't survive in the NFL. There's questions there, but they got away with one. To me, if they're smart, they're going to go into the first round next year. They're going to select another quarterback. 
and and then they're going to hope yeah. that they that they have another you know big uh, feast or famine type situation. You, you at least you get your safety valve. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end um, the conversation on Lamar Jackson with this. Going back to to, to, to JoJo here is and we talked about uh, how much I've, I've backed him, and I I know it's. When you've had a quarterback that's won a Super Bowl, you, your your team's won a Super Bowl, right? and and I know you 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 would live and dream to have to have that day happen for the Vikings. Oh my God, you don't even know. It's it's tough to uh, what's the words they want? It's tough to let that go. Yeah, Ravens had a, a fantastic team in 2012, 2013, and and Joe was the uh, single car car behind that, and and the the way that team performed that year was phenomenal. It's, and and as a Ravens fan. It's tough to see an era end. Yes. I, even though the last, I, I, I'll be the first to admit, Joe has underperformed the last three years. I mean, whether it be receiver problems, mm-hmm. and on top of the injuries that Joe's had, the injuries have become a problem. It's it's tough to see that era end. You you've seen a successful era, and seeing it on the back end just kind of crumble. It's it's as as awesome as the Super Bowls to see. It's so hard to see that to see that fall apart, and and. And that's what's tough for me to see Joe start to to be in the back end and potentially be cut as right. And and to me right now, like I'm I'm kind of where you were a few years ago. My my boys are in a win now type situation. So, and and that's kind of what what the old Vikings are looking at right now. They're looking at win now. And I personally, I don't think they're going to be able to do it with the corners that they have. But I guess that's neither here nor there. Um, moving on to Tyler's top ten. Going number four. Number four. Darius Geis is on the board. Darius Geis is on the board. I love Darius Geis. He's projected first round. We need to get an alarm. We need to get <laughs> get like a siren or something for Darius Geis being on the board. I I've, I firmly believe that Darius Geis should have just like a siren that goes off. Holy crap, Darius Geis. I hope he blows up this year. I love this guy, and this was a great value pick and all around. Hopefully Redskins can just throw a bunch of middle fingers at 31 other teams. Oh, my gosh. The amount of teams that balked on Darius Geis and, and the fact that he went second round, the fact that he went so late in the second round was just a, a head-scratcher. This guy is a beast. He's a downhill runner. He's a bruiser. He's balls to the wall, one of the best runners in this draft. He was the second-highest-ranked guy. I loved this pick, and that's why they were in – in our, our winners. I mean, it, wonderful pick. I agree with this 110%. I loved this selection. Nope. He went so late, and there were so many running backs who he's projected better than that that, that went. And Redskins got themselves a steal here in the second round. They, they got a first-round talent late second. Yeah, and, and the – the, the the guys that went ahead of him, you know, Rashad Penny that was was the most notable one. You, you can't take a guy like that over Darius Guys. Darius Guys, I don't give a crap about a guy's off-field stuff. I could give a crap what he does in his home time. I, I could give a crap if his mom was a hooker. I, I don't care. What I care about is whether or not this guy can ball out. That's what I care about. Darius Guys is that guy, and you're going to see it. if As long as he becomes that number one rusher that, that – Washington is projecting him to be. I think you're going to see Darius guys be be uh, a top dog in this league, and and I, honestly, I think he's going to contest some of the best rushers in this league. You'll see him sitting around the top ten rushers uh, without a doubt. Oh, I, definitely. Which leads me to our top three. Number three, a guy who I wish the Ravens would have taken. Oh yeah. And if they did, they would easily been the winners of the draft. 
That's Calvin Ridley. This was a great choice. Um, Atlanta gets a steal. They got away with one. I don't understand why everybody in the first round was talking about DJ Moore when this was the guy that was projected as the number one receiver. I, I don't understand why everybody's talking about DJ Moore when this guy is, is the, the more athletic of the two. I think he's a better slot guy. I think he catches the ball better. I think he makes better catches in traffic. I like this guy. I don't understand why why anybody would have put, selected DJ Moore ahead of him. Um, Atlanta fills a, need, a team need. They get a good compliment to Julio. This is smart. This is good general manager work right here. And and you know what? It was one of the few picks from from pick number twenty to thirty one that actually did their job. I love this. Well, thirty two because Lamar's back. Well, th- yeah. Well, thirty two. I guess yeah. No. That that was a huge that was a huge pickup and Calvin Ridley is getting himself into a situation with a phenomenal quarterback in Matt Ryan. Falcons could see themselves going deep in the playoffs yet again. Yeah, and and I could see them going deep in the playoffs. Ridley and um, uh, uh, Matt Ryan, I think, are going to get along just great. Ridley loves to catch passes over the middle. Matt Ryan loves to throw it over the middle in the red zone. Ridley's going to be a great red zone target for him. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun, Atlanta Falcons offense football. You're gonna you're gonna see the that offense explode, and I think Calvin Ridley is going to be one of the top receivers this year. Could be bad for your Vikings. It could be bad, and and you know what? I hope I don't have a repeat of, of the ninety eight ninety nine year, but um, I, that's the hope. But uh, you know, I, I really enjoy. Uh, well, you got you got yourself a new kicker to avoid. Yeah, I, yeah, right. <laughs> I, at least we got that kicker. So, but I, I like that pick. That was damn good. So going into the top two, and I know I know I had two quarterbacks in my top ten the last time, but we do have one for deserving reasons, but not two. But at number two is that quarterback in Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland. Come on. Oh. You had a chance to take him, but you let him drop. And I'm sure Gang Green, the Jets, are just loving the fact that you screwed up. I hope the Jets send them a thank you card. Oh. Multiple thank you cards. <laughs> Christmas card, Valentine's Day card on pass, but next year's Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, well, they, they should send them a card, uh, and, and in the future, they're going to be sending these guys a card with a, a Super Bowl picture attached to it. Ooh, bold prediction. Bold there. prediction. So, obviously, we're talking about Sam Darnold. Yes. And Jet, I'm sure Jets were fully expecting to, to take Josh Rosen. Yeah, and that was or, the selection that most people had on the board for the, the New York Jets. But they got away the number one quarterback at number three. Yeah, and and Darnold graded out great. Um, he was he was the top prospect. I mean, any anybody that looked at, at any sort of draft boards, I mean, all you saw was Darnold's going number one. Darnold's the man. Darnold's the guy. And um, realistically, the the Jets get a steal here. He only dropped two spots, but nobody expected him to drop out of number one, and nobody expected ba- Baker Mayfield to go number one. Um, Darnold, he he's great. He he knows what he's doing. He's got a good arm. Uh, I think the only downside to Darnold is is a lot of uh, is ball security, and he's got a wind up that that likes to. Uh, he he takes his time when he winds up with with the football. I don't know if you've noticed that he likes to come out underneath underneath his hip and really overhand that ball. Um, and it, it allows guys to make plays on the ball. But ultimately, Sam Darnold wound up being a, a I mean, easily one of the top picks for the the New York Jets. They they got away with one. Um, the fact that the Cleveland Browns didn't take him was was an absolute travesty, and 
you know, I, this guy's going to be a franchise quarterback for them for a long time. I'm, I feel he's going to pan out a lot better than um, a guy like, say, Mark Sanchez did. Uh, you know, in, in but he did go to back-to-back championships. Went to back-to-back championships, but just like your boy Flacco, for a long time he hid behind the great rud game, and that's fine. But I, I believe that, that Sam Darnold is truly going to be a guy that, that is a strong quarterback. And he's going to lead this team. And, and that's something that Mark Sanchez simply couldn't do. So going to number one here. And it's a guy who everyone thought would be top ten. But somehow, I mean, he didn't drop too far. But the, the dude had had so much talent. And the Bills stole one here. Yeah, they, they got away with one. So number one is Tremaine Edmonds. And he was the number one projected linebacker. Um, a lot of people were, were debating whether or not him and Raquan Smith were, you know, who was who better. Um, Edmonds is better at, you know, uh, covering linebackers and running backs. Um, Raquan Smith is better. Man, Tyler, your dogs are going ape, just ape over here, man. Um, two giant horses. Yeah, you, well, you live in this castle, and you got these two giant horse hounds over here, and then I, I just, oh, man. But I'm not sure they want to be a part of the show. Yeah, they're just trying to protect us. They're just, they're just feeling, homes. they're feeling vocal. That's all. Um, Edmonds was smart, though. I mean, he's he's great in run stopping. He's great on the blitz. Um, the guy can cover uh, tight ends. He can cover running backs out of the backfield. The big thing is, is he's kind of a banger bust when it comes to covering receivers. Receivers can come around and and really hammer um, this guy for for huge plays, huge yards, huge touchdowns. He he gives up big plays, and that's one big thing about about Tremaine Edmonds that that I take issue with is that he likes to give up big plays. Same time, he was still top ten. He's got great athleticism. I like him a lot, and uh, I think he's just going to be something really incredible. No, no, Tremaine Edmonds was a great pick, and the fact that he just kept falling and and the Bills some. Um... Wasn't much they traded up, but the but Baltimore realized that I mean is is whether people agree with it or not they they traded down to to uh, grab their tight end at, and Hayden Hurst. Yeah, but I, I, but so it was more Baltimore traded down and but Bills capitalized and grabbed Tremaine Edmonds, the yeah, number one linebacker in the draft. They got away with murder. They really did, Absolutely. and they got away with murder. Sixteenth overall. Um, the guy not only fell, but they didn't have to move up a whole lot to get him. Um, I liked it. I, I think we're we're gonna be. Um, uh, I, I think we're gonna be be uh, looking at him for a long, long time uh, moving forward. I really liked. Uh, uh, I really liked uh, this pick. I think it was great. Now moving in to. Um, the uh, next thing here. Well, uh, this is the main event. This, I, the, I already Howard Finkel did. No, you, you, you do not Howard Finkel anything because Tyler, once again, you get to take on. Freetown's forgotten five. This hijacking of my segments is starting to get old. It's only been two shows. Don't act like you're not excited. You know what? Come on, give me that smile. I'm not giving you that smile. Come on, and, and, and you know what I. Just to deal with your big smile, your Tyler. Cut off again. Big I need smile. A drink because I need a five minute break, not drink. Well, I need. But, to, but you need a drink. Five minute breaks. I need a drink. We are professionals here, Tyler. 
professionals who drink. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, we're going to take a quick breather here. We're going to go to a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's, or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. And welcome back to the Outside Blitz. And uh, I am your host, the Flatliner, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, baby. And oh, with me, I've got the top heavy, the throbbing, Tyler Dean. Yeah. Throbbing. The throbbing. Yes. Yeah. Throbbing for sure, but top heavy? Have you ever seen me? Top heavy, baby. I'm not heavy in any, any direction, but, <laughs> but maybe the... Uh, the yeah, PG sure. Show. Sure PG, you are. PG, PG show. show. PG show, Tyler. What are you doing to me here? Come on now. This is we are we are doing radio here, Tyler. We want to be as as PG as humanly possible. I'm pretty sure I swore last week. Uh, you probably did. Probably. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But, but no, I'm I'm still a little hostile because for the second straight time you have hijacked my segment and have this ungodly forgotten five or whatever we're calling it. Freight Town's Forgotten Five. No. Don't act like you're not excited about it. You, you're acting like you're not excited. This is the best part of the show, Freytown's Forgotten Five. Don't lie. Okay, just to be clear. I've, Other than my adjectives. I've talked to a couple of viewers, and anytime you talk is not the best time of the show. No, I hate you so much right now, it's unreal. Now, um, Freytown's Forgotten Five. Now, Tyler, you had ten outstanding picks. I, I'm gonna uh, A majority of them I, I completely agreed with. I loved it. Um but I do have the Forgotten Five, and the Forgotten Five draft picks, this is how we're going to close out our show today. Um, we got to talk about them because these guys are guys that are going to make huge impacts this upcoming season. I fully believe they're going to be huge impacts, and I also feel that these guys were, were great selections, whether they be safe or not. So One of them was kind of safe, but the rest of them were just guys that you know are going to pan out, especially for where they were picked. Um and, and moving right into the Forgotten Five, I hope you're excited. Um, number five, and and uh, this guy, was he was picked at a discount. Second round, we're talking Will Hernandez, the offensive guard out of UTEP. Um, I love this pick. This uh, the, the New York Giants scooped him up. Um, he was great. He was absolutely great. Uh, he should have been a first-rounder. He's projected as a first-rounder. And the Giants are able to squeak him up in very early second round, no but second way. round nonetheless. But Giants who had already taken Barkley, I mean, we, we talked about them earlier as being a winner, but this is another reason of why they're a winner. They got they got Barkley with first, Hernandez early the second. They got two first round talents within two rounds. Right, and and Will Hernandez, the 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 you can tell what they're getting ready to base their offense around. 
You pick up a guy like Saquon Barkley. You pick up a, a run blocker like Will Hernandez in the in the second round, and you get first round talent out of it. I mean, this this was. I mean, you you drafted at a discount. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it was, they got a five finger discount on this one because it was a steal. It. I mean, and and understanding early second rounder, that's fine. You still wound up with first round talent in the second round. That's that's the bottom line here. And, and and as one of the oldest quarterbacks in, in the league or on their team, you gotta protect him in his final years because Eli at his best can get them to the promised land. You look at not, not 2017, that was a rough year, but 2016, that was the year of the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They, they what lost three games? Yeah, when when Eli gets hot, Eli gets hot. Yeah, and, and those two years that everyone's talking about Dallas, but as great as Dallas was, is the Giants swept them. Yeah. And and the the interesting thought about the the Giants is when Eli gets hot, Eli gets hot, but Eli needs also needs the protection. And Will Hernandez is that guy. This was like I said, it was a discount pick. It was smart. It made sense. I love this. Um, and and any Giants fan should love this pick. They won the draft this year. I mean, it was one thing to get Saquon Barkley, and I and that was the the big step in the right direction. But Will Hernandez. Out of UTEP, I, I love, love, love this selection. It, it made sense, um, and, and I really hope that that this guy pans out for for the New York Giants for the long term. I would love to see him just be be top notch. Um, moving up into the into the forgotten five here, one guy that that definitely got overlooked by several teams, got overlooked by you on this one. Um, you know, James Daniels. Center out of Iowa. I got to tell you, this guy was the number one rated center. Number one rated center. So this is the guy that you that Lions should have picked. Absolutely, they went after Frank Ragnall instead, and then Billy Price also went in the first round as well. And and James Daniels still sitting on the board, number one center out of Iowa. This guy is a beast, and I don't understand how anybody could have balked on him. He goes in the second round. You know the Chicago Bears make a huge splash. I. You know, it, it's great. It, it's really great to see a guy like him. I feel bad for him that he went so late because he should have never gone so late. He's so versatile. He's great in, rush, or in run block. He's great in pass blocking. He knows how to hit the impact blocks. He's got great hands. This was a no-brainer to me If you, if the, and the fact that this guy sunk so low. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that there were a lot um, – uh, Frank Ragnall, for example, was in the SEC – I think a lot of people are, are seeing SEC and their eyes kind of light up. You know, who cares? Who cares? If the guy can't play ball, and I don't think Frank Ragnall can, I think this James Daniels is going to pan out as the better center, and you're going to see it long term. And talking about that he went to the Bears, we've been talking about um, when you have a young quarterback or an older quarterback or any quarterback, if you can't protect them, oh, yeah. what good are you doing? And, and Bears have a very young cor- uh, corner, quarterback who I think can really make a splash in this league and in Trubisky. Trubisky's fantastic. And 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 you've made the first step to making sure you're gonna keep him safe for the next potentially eighteen to twenty years. Yeah, Mitchell Trubisky is he's a, a long term solution at quarterback for the Bears. I, I think they've they've already had they've dealt with the, the failed James you know, Jay Cutler experience. I, I mean you gotta protect Trubisky. He's a playmaker. He knows how to get out, get outside the pocket, but you need to make sure that you can create a, a pocket passer out of Mitchell Trubisky, and I think you can with a guy like James Daniels heading up your line. 
it's a sensible pick. This was outstanding. He's used to playing in cold weather. He played in Iowa. This guy is going to be something very, very special. He's not far from home on top of it. I mean, he's he's centered from Iowa, and now he's playing in Chicago. So he's not far from home. This guy was a great choice, and they got him on a discount. There's a discounted contract. Sensible. Um, next up, number three. I mean, you're talking Quentin Nelson going to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Been hitting that offensive line here pretty quick. I, I am. I, I think the offensive line, you know, especially in the NFL, gets often, as you said earlier, it gets overlooked when you're when you're talking first round. Uh, Quentin Nelson, offensive guard out of Notre Dame. This guy, the, the Colts come in. <clears throat> they need protection for Andrew Luck. It's very apparent they need protection for Andrew Luck. And what do they do? They go and they find the protection for Andrew Luck, and they make the sensible pick. This is what we're talking about. Guys making good picks at the right times. Quentin Nelson had no business sliding. He was the best offensive lineman in this draft. The only guy that could touch him was McGlinchey. And I got to tell you, Quentin Nelson, great choice for these guys. Uh, Great pass blocker. It helps Luck because Luck likes to stand strong in the pocket, but Luck can also run around and throw the ball. He can gun and run. I loved this pick. And it was, like I said, it was the one that made sense. You know, out of, out of all those picks that, that went on in the first round, other than Saquon Barkley and Bradley Chubb, this one made sense. I, it's sad when you say three out of your top six picks didn't make sense. Um, but but Quentin Nelson was was brilliant out of, out of Notre Dame. He, he just, he hammers it home. I loved this selection. Um, and, you know, ultimately, when you have... Um, a running back, the caliber uh, of a Frank Gore that used to be over there in Indianapolis and now is is seeking greener pastures. Now you're going to have to get a guy that can run block for whoever your future running no, back is going to end up being. We know who that back is. I mean, he started to take over in the end of the season, that's, and that's Mac. Yeah, and I don't I don't know that I necessarily buy Mac. I I don't know. Do, do you do you buy Mac at this point? It's a very very small sample size. <laughs> It's a small sample size, but for when he was in, he had a very respectable um, yard per carry. I, I want to see whether or not he can he can bolster um, this offense. I want to see whether or not he can be that guy. It, there's a lot of questions there. And, and I agree, but at the same time, a running back is only as good as, as if you have, if you're not... Um, just where you just have a running game. If uh, Andrew Luck's not healthy, how can you expect a running back to do great when you're one-dimensional mm-hmm. and, and right. other teams know you're going to run? But if Andrew Luck is healthy and and this and and Quentin Nelson can help protect that team, if you're back to being a dual threat team, you can you can run, you can pass. This team could be dangerous. We have Mac who could still show prove himself, and then you have Luck. If, if Luck can stand strong out of the pocket and being protected. Luck's dangerous. Yep, luck gets dangerous. And Quentin Nelson, like I said, I think Quentin Nelson turns into one of the the better draft selections, um, you know, in this in this specific class of 2018. Now, uh, moving into our number two pick, um, Derwin James, safety out of uh, Florida State, uh, goes to the Miami Dolphins, number 11. He falls out of the top 10. Actually, I'm sorry. I apologize. Now my yeah, yeah, super Chargers. They moved to the Chargers, not the Dolphins. What am I thinking? I'm thinking of Minka Fitzpatrick going to the Chargers. Um, no, Derwin James falls to the Chargers, number 17, 17. overall. Um, 17, 
that was late. It was very late to get a guy like Derwin James. Um, you know, it, it was huge. Uh, the 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 Chargers needed a bruising safety. They got what they needed. The, the run defense in San Diego, or not San Diego, I, I'm so used to calling them the San Diego Chargers. The L.A. Chargers. And just, we just went to, to all of the Raiders moves. Oh, gosh, and it's in the Vegas Raiders and all this stuff. Jeez, oh, Pete. Um, no, the, the run stopping in L.A. has, has needed some help. Um, they've always had a great pass rush with Joey Bosa. I, you see a guy like Derwin James come into the fold. Now they got two nasty, hard-hitting safeties. Um, Adai has always been kind of a – he's been a coverage safety, but he's been – he's a hard-hitting guy. And then you get Derwin James, who just – he loves to make ta- tackles. He loves to play in the trenches. He loves to really hit running backs. He can make open field tackles. I like this pick. It's a sensible one. They, they come out and they say, all right, we are going to bolster our secondary. And we are going to make it something special, and I, I it, it just it made sense. They're they're getting back to what the Chargers used to be, and I shouldn't say used to be is is a long time ago. But if you if you rewind about what about five six years, they were a playoff the, team. The, the, well, on top of that is the the Chargers could have you you could have placed them in the in the AFC North. Absolutely. Um, they had one of the best defenses in the AFC, let alone the league. Yes. And they're starting to get back to that. They know they know, and as someone who loves defenses, they know what wins championships. Yeah, defense wins championships. And, and Chargers are getting back to that. You know, and you hear you. I, I think another big thing is they're understanding the window is starting to close on a guy like Philip Rivers. So they need something that can. Uh, Rivers is getting up in the years. You got to kind of start keeping them on the sidelines a little bit. They got to keep the, the the defense there. Need, needs to you know hunker down and really start playing some ball. Rivers is a great quarterback. He really is. You and, and I'm sorry. You need to keep the offense on the field, not the defense. What am I thinking? Um, but you need to keep the offense on the field. Rivers is a great quarterback. He's a guy that can play great ball. I love the idea of keeping Rivers. Ready to go. You got to keep the ball in his hands. You don't want to keep Derwin James, or you want to keep Derwin James hitting guys, stopping guys, ending the fucking drive. Excuse my language. Ending the drive. That's what's got to happen. Derwin James is that guy. I love it. And last but not least, the number one forgotten five pick. You're not getting a drum roll because you stole my second. I'm going to drum roll it. I'm drum rolling it. It's not me. It's me. It's all me. And I'll give my own drum roll because I'm sweet. Is Leighton Van Der Esch, um, the linebacker out of Boise State, going to the Dallas Cowboys? No, this is a big pickup, especially before they got him drafted 19 overall. This is huge. The the Cowboys have an aging team right now. They're aging, 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 aging. That's just what we're seeing. That's what it is. You got guys retiring. Um, I mean, as you can see, we just had Jason Witten retire now, and you you got Sean Lee hanging out. Uh, you know, he's he's getting ready to hang him out to dry here. Leighton Vanderesh, he he fills the void, and I I love this selection. I I think this guy is just a hard hitting guy. He can play in coverage. He can he he does it all. He's he's actually probably the only linebacker out of this group that played both coverage and run coverage. You know, and run stopping. I mean, he, he was the only guy that that really got the job done in that aspect. He's the kind of guy that. Steelers probably should have taken. Right. Well, I mean, the Steelers took went later than than Cowboys, but but Steelers needed a guy like this to help it enhance their team because Steelers are one of those teams that have a very aging defense. Yes, they do. And and Van Der Esch, I mean, 
like I said, he's a jack of all trades. And but but he's he's I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a uh, uh, a master of none, but he's a master of many. Um, I love this guy. I, I think he was he was just a, a top notch selection. Um, it, it was a great strategy by the Cowboys. They they filled a hole uh, long term. They they went and picked up a guy that you know knows what he's doing. You, you can't criticize. There there are no complaints about him. Six four two fifty six. I mean that's that's a big boy, and and he can he can play those those edge rushes. He can play uh, uh, run stopping. He can do it all. And I think this guy. I mean, <laughs> overall, he can make a million plays in the pass game. Um, he, he's probably the best zone linebacker in the draft. I you, you get away with it here. You, you got away with a guy that should have gone probably top 12. and Without a doubt. Yeah, and, and you get away with one here. I mean, besides Trey, Tremaine Edmonds, I would argue that he was probably the best linebacker in the draft, and they talked a lot of this about uh, Raquan Smith. To me, Van Der Esch was, you know, probably better than Smith, but, I mean, I think San Francisco really wanted a coverage linebacker, so that's what they went after. But if you look at a guy like Van Der Esch, he, he, I mean, he was outperforming Brian Erlacher in a lot of different things at, at the Combine. So it shows you his athleticism. It shows you what he's capable of. I mean, he's great. I, I think this was the, the number one sleeper pick of the, of the bunch. And I don't think that you, you really um, can, can pass up on him. At all. No, it was, a, it was a phenomenal pick by the Cowboys. Something they needed, and, and it fills a lot of void for them. Yeah, definitely. And this this is huge. So uh, we're, we're going to finish up our show for the day, and I was hoping to do this about 20 minutes ago, but Scotty decided he's got to rub his nose in my stuff. Freight Town's Forgotten Five! Yeah, maybe we should forget about Freight Town. Oh, you shut your <laughs> face. But just uh, we we appreciate all the feedback we get as we as we move on to our second episode. I'm gonna do a little shout out to Alex Steele. Alex Steele, we love Alex Steele around here. Do we though? Uh, kind of, kind of, really. Yeah, I, I love Alex Steele. Alex Steele's so fun. He he's one of the nicest guys, and we we love. Eventually, we're gonna have Alex here on the show, so you guys are gonna be able to to hang out with all three of us. And within the next couple of shows, we're we're we are likely gonna be uh, having our next show in two weeks. Yes. Um, now now, if there happens to be a lot of news in the next week, we will have a show next week. Yeah. But, but given that disclaimer, likely expect us in two weeks. Yes, we we have a, a very interesting schedule. One thing that we want to point out to you guys is you know. There's not a lot going on from, from let's face facts, there's not a whole lot going on from the week after the NFL draft all the way up until week one of the preseason. Um, Tyler and I, we, we talked it over, and, and we're, we're going to go once every two weeks until the preseason, then we'll be going weekly all the way through the, the week after the NFL draft um, from that point. So we will have a weekly show um, from that point, but for you know the next couple of months, we will be going once every two weeks. Unless something crazy happens, then you we might do a short show. Yeah, emergency a, emergency show, emer, emergency hour show. We'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> but but no, we appreciate all the feedback we get, and, and going back to Alex, we heard you on how, and apparently we digressed too much on. 
Aaron Rodgers, and we didn't talk about Aaron Rodgers at all in this show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoot. We just did. Yeah, we just talked about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but, Golly. Yeah, way to go, Alex. You ruined everything. Yeah, we can blame Alex in this. Yeah, moment. I'm blaming but, Alex. I'm not even blaming Tyler. But we, but at the end of the day, um, give us feedback. We, um, we, we listen to it. We'll, we'll take it in, and, and we want to make your show the best it can be. So, anything you guys have, I mean, whether it be a criticism, whether it be an idea to talk about on the show, um, if if you have an idea, something that we should talk about in the show, a topic. We will talk about it. Yeah, I, we love questions. We love the feedback. We love the emails, and and we, we you can message us on Facebook. Um, we got our uh, the Outside Blitz uh, Facebook page, so you can always visit that at any point in time. Um, we love that. Also, you can uh, shoot us an email at the Outside Blitz at gmail .com. That's another one that we've got going on there. So you can always shoot us an email if you got any questions um, or or anything that you'd like us to talk about. Anything you'd like to to hear, we we can uh, go over. Stuff like that. I have uh, zero problem get answering your questions. That sounds like a great time to me. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, check out our website, and um, you can always, uh, uh, you know, like I said, shoot us a message on on Facebook or an email. That that would be fantastic. Um, but outside of that, Tyler, I think we're done for the. I think we're done. I think so, we're done. Until next time, guys. Bearing any setback of any crazy news, we will see you in two weeks. I am your host, Tyler Dean, and the draft frustrated <laughs> Scotty Freytown. Yes, and one more thing, I would just want to send a special thank you to our executive producer, Jordan J. Scabone, baby. You are awesome. Thank you very much for listening to the Outside Blitz. We will see you in two weeks. Good night, guys. Good night.